because we've reached this point in time where there's a robotic God. AI is made in the image of us. So that's why we fear AI disobeying. I think when we go too far with man and machine, man lose the art of being man. Ignorance is empty space. It's waiting to be filled. The machines are here. They won't be uninvented. Either they destroy the world or they make a better world. AI will swoop in and fill that space very quickly if we allow it to. If AI builds a world around you, how will you inevitably escape it? I appreciate my pops for teaching me how to be a guy. From a boy to a man and ultimately back into the natural state of being into a guy. As guys, we're supposed to always move with that higher self. And I have to be able to execute it. Having knowledge is not power, the execution of knowledge is power. Knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Because the only real knowledge you can get is knowledge of self. Peace family is 19 Keys and we're here for another high level conversation. Today we're joined with a very intelligent and brilliant brother. And we're going to be having a conversation about the future. But the thing about when you have conversations about the future, we're actually talking about the now. Future is of old. When they talked about the future, they were talking about 10, 20, 30 years. When this thing happens, well, we're in that time where that thing has happened. Fiction has become fact. Things that were left on shelves as ideas and the imagination of those who put out literature works based on what they could conceive about things that weren't technologists, that were just into the science of things. Well, somebody grew up, became an engineer, and decided to bring those ideas to life. And we are living in the evolution of science fiction becoming science fact. Today we have more technology than we probably ever need. Society talks about its advancements, yet the question that I pose is the mind actually advanced. See, we have a lot of great technology, but how many great thinkers do we have? The true mark of a civilization evolving is about the capacity of the minds in that civilization and or society and their evolution of growth their ability to think, to live peacefully, to provide access to resources, to have a great system of education, a great system of democracy, a great system of science, mathematics, engineering, arts, being able to live at the highest level of life. If we look around, we don't see that. We see wars, we see fights, right? We see disputes, right? We see trauma binding, we see issues everywhere we look around question is how advanced is society? Then, are we overpopulated? That's another question I want to talk about during this conversation as well. And I'm asking the question not from 
the theory of those who believe that we need to get rid of human beings. <laughs> but the true question, if you were a planetary master and you decided over the affairs of human beings, how, what is the perfect amount of people? How do you, you know, uh, uh, share resources on the planet Earth in order to make sure that each human being can live a certain quality of life? And what's the best way to go about it? Do I have the answers? I don't know, but I'm willing to think about it. And the masters of this world are willing to do the thinking for those who don't want to think. Today, I'm having a conversation with somebody who did some good thinking. A new tool came around and he decided to not ask for what it can be used for, but he decided to follow the formula AI plus NI equals EI. Artificial intelligence plus natural intelligence equals enhanced intelligence. He took OpenAI's new software and he decided that he's going to ask it a very profound question question that everybody has on their mind. How do I grow my base? How do I grow my followers? How do I get the engagement that I want? He has this question in a series of prompts and he was able to get the answers he was looking for. How do I grow it to 100,000 followers? Then he actually followed those steps and he did it under the amount of time that he actually allotted for this possibility and created a transparent journey with everybody. Now he has the ability to travel around the world being a global speaker and he's now a high-level conversation. For those who don't know, Mr. Grateful. What's going on? That was solid. Blessings and opportunities. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about it. Yesterday was at an event. And there was something profound said at the event. We're talking about the post-era of truth. The post-era of truth is so fascinating to me. Because it was this idea, we're going to be living in a world where we no longer be able to tell what's true and what's a generated illusion. So imagine if I decided I wanted to ruin your life and I decided I wanted to employ bots that will help carry out this narrative. I would utilize generative AI to depict you doing things that you've never done, right? I will create false news articles by having AI write blog posts about you, right? Then I would have these bots go and share that blog post. Then I can even pay a real human being to even talk about it and do a reaction to it, right? Now you will be defending something that's completely an illusion that never happened. And or this thing could be running and you don't even know what's happening, right? So therefore you don't know that the public has a perception about you because the AI decided to start world building. Building these false worlds where people are engaging on things that are completely false. There's completely no truth to it at all, right? It can say you engaged in a sexual act with somebody. It can say you was a scammer. It can say anything that it wants to. Then it can even have your likeness and your voice as a digital twin engage in those things on camera, right? Through deep fakes. And it will be very hard for a person to be able to tell the difference. The average person doesn't do much research. So for them, it was the truth and they went about their day and they never went back to care enough to actually check if this was real or not. And the scary thing was not about the adults that believe it. It was about when your children has an iPad, right? And a narrative is created for them, right? It could be a fake news article. It could be a completely fake idea, a fake statistic, anything. And it's just to manipulate and sway their mind and they won't even know that they're being swayed. This is the post era of truth, which we are constantly living in today where people don't care if it's the truth or we can't discern truth from reality. What's your thought on that, man? 
<clears throat> I'm gonna take my glasses off so I can actually connect with the people here. I just put these on for the intro. Yes, because actually connecting with the people is exactly how I'm protecting myself against that. Mm. I will have videos made of me that are doing things that I'm not actually doing. Mm. I will have audio of me saying things that I did not actually say. Mm. People will run false narratives on Mr. Grateful. Mm -hmm. My whole approach is to show you exactly who I am in the raw before we get to that point so that you can decide on your own in that moment. Is that something Mr. Grateful would do, say, or not? And if so, even if, you'll love and respect me regardless, no matter what. Even if you see me doing some wild stuff on camera, saying something wild, we are all human beings. Mm. That's what makes us human. We all have flaws. We are all going to mess up. I haven't messed up on camera yet. I haven't said anything wild that made anybody upset. That's coming. I know that's coming because it happens for everybody who puts themselves out there. I'm okay with that. And that's why my approach is to just be authentic and honest and just transparent. I'll let you watch my pockets. I'll let you watch where I'm moving, where I'm living. I'll let you watch who I'm with who I'm not with, who my friends are, who my girls are, all of that. Because there's going to be a time where there's a false narrative and it's going to be up to you to decide. If I'm not transparent as a human being right now, you will have no, you won't know what to believe. If you feel like you know me through how I portray myself as a human being without AI, you'll be able to discern yourself. And I think that's how people can protect themselves, not by limiting the AI, but by uplifting their humanity right now. I mean, that's easy. It sounds good, but most people don't have that much humanity, right? We live in a world where we can see thousands of people get killed and we just go about our day and find some justifiable reason because we have an alliance with someone, right? We don't know what's true. The propaganda machines are working hard and they utilizing AI. The limitations on AI should be at the top level, not at the bottom. We often think about, you know, when I think about limiting AI, it's so that companies can't use it for certain things. I don't think trillion dollar and billion dollar companies should have this type of power, right? Because they already have more data than the average person can ever conceive of, right? When you start talking about, you know, children and their mental health, right? They have so much power that you really, they don't even know what the AI is doing. The AI is operating and they can't tell you how, they just built the monster, they can't control it, right? And they're gonna turn it on for capitalism to make as much money as possible and the people at the bottom are the ones who suffer, right? There's not gonna be ability to have narrative control. The, I really think about the children in the future and what would they know about the truth of reality, right? Religion, you know, once you, OpenAI created these bots, where you can create a bot for very specific purposes. Now, this is going to be a gold rush for many. Like when iOS started and the App Store came out, right, and many people was able to create these very specific purposes for applications. Same thing will happen with AI. It's just the truth. The truth, I think, is, as they say, the truth is, is the first thing to go in war. You understand me? When we at war, capitalism is war. It's a fight for attention, it's a fight for dollars. Things get ugly in that, right? The truth is the first thing to be sacrificed right now for the dollar, right? So if your child grows up, you know, and 
they have this belief because they've seen something. I mean, things that we've seen in our lifetime where we've read and we believe that to be a truth because we didn't really go back and try to correct that to see if we was right. And we grew up and there's so many things that got dispelled just through social media. Oh, this is not true. That's not true. Right. But they're going to have so many things that's told to them by AI because a company wanted them to believe a statistic that was connected to their choice when they go run, go down the street and decide on which beverage that they want to buy or which food that they want to buy. It may run an article that tell you a certain food is healthy because the science just discovered something, then that article disappears. But they know this child so good that they know that it's, that's enough to prime them to make a decision off false information. And that's how we operate today. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, it's already happening. But worse. But worse. When quantum machines come around, it's going to be manipulating people in a way that we won't even be able to tell. And how you're going to cut off a machine, right, when you don't even know that there's a bad thing happening? And is it bad if you don't know about it? How do we tell right now? How do we know right now? Well, we're still in that era before it has completely launched, right? There are things that are real and there are things that are false we can verify, right? Verification, I think, is a key because you can go on blockchain, you know, and they're not doing it yet, but that would be the hopeful use of it, right? China has already started uh, um, putting markers on things to say this is AI or this is generated. And I don't believe in the complete world of marking everything, but I believe that if it's news, I need to know, and I wanna know if it's AI verified. The thing about having a human do it is that that human can be held accountable for false words, false accusations, liable, right? Um, but what about the AI? The AI says something against you, right? And the damage is already done. Yeah, maybe the company takes it or maybe they don't. Is it the company that created the AI or is it the company that uses it that gets the blame? <laughs> yeah, does God get the blame for what we're doing or is the blame put on us? No, we get the blame for not listening to God. Right. God told us to stop doing this shit in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would be lying and be like, well, God made it. Well, yeah. I ain't gonna lie, he did. Human beings put together these books and they said it was inspired by God. And they said, don't do half of the things we do. So I don't think we can blame God. It's people that we blame for not listening to God. And AI is made in the image of us. So that's why we fear AI disobeying, is because we inherently disobey. Well, it's made in the image of particularly like white patriarchal intellect and the builders of the AI with inherent bias built into it. Because there's certain historical figures that they won't allow you to generate images of. Now, if I built AI, I wouldn't have built it with that bias. Right. I actually wouldn't have thought about who do I don't want people to research. I would have let people have access because I think that's the true freedom when you get to see what the world really is. Otherwise, you're controlling the flow of things. Right. Then how do you have a democracy after that? You, you have a democracy when people are able to generate what they want, when they want, but with transparency. Right. So I guess what we need is transparency in the space so that we can start to discern ourselves what is right and what's wrong what is real and what's not. Because right now we still decide what's real and what's not, even in everyday life. Do we? Of course, right now, like when we're talking, how do we know, how do I know this is real and not a dream, right? How do I know what is generated and what is an actual picture? And in that moment, do I care? I feel like we allow ourselves sometimes to be manipulated because we don't care or we want that. We want to have a narrative run and we'll buy into it because that's what we want to see. When you already have a bias yourself, it's not, the AI does have a bias, but so do we. 
the AI has a bias because we have bias. So when things are being generated, we're going to go down the path that we're okay with. We're gonna say, uh, am I okay with listening to this Travis Scott Drake song, even though I know that it's generated? Do I like that? Do I vibe with it? Does it still make my body move, right? If it does, then okay. Now the music, the AI generated music industry is going up because we said okay to that. We didn't reject it. You know what I'm saying? Our bodies, our bodies reject things, our minds and spirits reject things. Is this something we're gonna reject? And if not, we'll allow ourselves to be manipulated. All right, so I guess that goes into the point where it's like an intelligent man, it's like McDonald's. When I was younger, I ate McDonald's. My parents introduced me to McDonald's. I had these golden arches. We went there, we ate them. It was good, right? But that song is stuck in your head. It's marketing, it's neuroscience. Ba -dum -ba -bum -bum. It's red and yellow, get your heart beating, make you wanna go to it. There are ways to hack human being behavior right, to where you're doing things and you don't even realize why, right? At that point, that's not consent, right? At that point, you're not really making the choice for yourself. Now, that was with the limited amount of general information they have on psychology and neuroscience, that McDonald's was able to come up with the logos and come up with all these different things. Think about the amount of information that AI has, right? Do you really want the smartest person in the world creating marketing material, right, for food that's not good for you? right, or anything that's not particularly good for you, right? So when does the morality step in to play? Just because something can work very good and very efficiently doesn't mean you should use it like that because at some point in time, you do take away consent by ignorance, right? Because the person said, well, I didn't even know that's what was happening to me. People are on their phone scrolling right now and they don't realize the mechanisms in their brain that work right, they keep them on the phone wanting more. And if the AI has information on you, then it knows a profile about you, your spending habits, what you're looking at, who you DMing, right? If it got all that information on you, how do you even know if you're running your own life or by the simulation is running it by showing you certain things at certain time frames, at different points, it knows everything about you. So where does consent actually come into play when ignorance is there? Ignorance is space. Ignorance is empty space waiting to be filled. AI will swoop in and fill that space very quickly if we allow it to. What we're doing right here, sitting down, is we're filling that space of ignorance so that they can prepare themselves for that time. I know that McDonald's is not good for me, regardless of what song they choose to play and regardless of what ads they show me, I know that it's not good for me. Will I allow myself to be manipulated and to fall into my temptations anyway? This is the girl in the red dress. You've talked about this before. Actually, I saw it with you. You talked about this, the girl in the red dress. It's exactly what it is. It's the shiny object syndrome. It's putting something in front of you that you know is not good. Us as humans, we know how to survive. We know what we want. We know what we need to live. We are going to be manipulated because we already are, but manipulation isn't new. Deception is what, deception is a great sign of intelligence. When you can see an animal deceive something in order to survive, uh, for instance, uh, flowers um, looking pretty so that they can attract insects and actually eat them. Uh, spiders 
um, you know, doing a dance, looking like it's something else to attract its prey. That's exactly what's happening here with artificial intelligence and with technology, looking good, you know, um, so that so so that we it can attract its prey. Like they were saying yesterday, they call them cookies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought you were talking about weed. Shout out to Burner. Shout out to Burner, you know, <laughs> and that too. That's why my voice is a little. <clears throat> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, they call them cookies. They're dangling the red dress. Cookies are really data points that they're gathering on you to figure out what to sell to you next, what your history is. You know what I'm saying? All these, all the behavior that you have online. Are you okay with these cookies? You want some cookies? Well, really, that's bait. They need data points on you so they can market to you better. Which is a form of manipulation because they could have just said data. Yeah. But most people wouldn't have consented if they did. Most people go about the internet every single day and say, yeah, I'll take them cookies because they don't know what's in them. They don't know it's a Trojan horse, right? It's the same reason in, the, in most places in the world where a grown man can't date a young girl, right? Because she's not evolved and mature enough to truly consent because this person has more knowledge set than her that can manipulate her, right? Based on insecurities, based on ignorance, right? Most of society is like that young girl, right? And AI is not just an older man, it's the most intelligent man in the world, right? So here's this thing of like, what is true consent? When a person can manipulate you in every single way that you don't know about whatsoever, right? right? And that's why when we talk about it's, a, it's, it's the space, but it's more so the time that we're in. The analogy with McDonald's works in a sense of time, right? There was a time when the information about McDonald's came out. Then you were able to make an informed decision, which is completely different than making an ignorant decision, right? We thought that the food and fast foods was real, right? We didn't know they was using horse meat and all these different things. But once you got an informed decision, now a percentage of society can say no. Same thing with cigarettes. Smoking cigarettes, nobody said they're going to create cancer, right? You were smoking them, just thought you were decreasing stress, right? Didn't know you was creating cancer in the liver and breast. You know what I'm talking about? So now we have a society to where we are the post-era of awareness, and we are more aware, some of us, right? Because a lot of times what happens in society, those who are aware make an assumption that everybody is. And then there's a percentage of society who are more vulnerable because they will never be as conscious, never be as intelligent, never be as intellectual. They have insecurities, they have depression, they have fears, they have anxieties. All these things can be manipulated and played on. Some of them are in poverty, right? And so they will take contracts that's not for their best interest because of the immediacy of thinking that it's going to, you know, uh, um, you know get them out of this survival moment. Right, but not get them to a true point of wealth and success and peace and joy and higher quality of life. So technology for all that I advocate and us utilizing it because I believe that it won't be uninvented and the people that we don't want to have it is going to have it. They don't care about these conversations, right? Maybe the people that work for them when they start thinking about the morality in this, right? But the reality of it is, is that if it's going to be, I would rather us have the tool as well if it's dangerous, right? Because they're not going to regulate themselves. They're not going to say, man, we got way too much power. Let's shut this down. We're making way too much money. No, I've, I've never seen a company do that in history. We got trillion dollar companies because they, they won't do that, right? They're going to say, let's continue to do it and let's just pay the fine if something comes up, 
right? And then we watch documentaries on it, and then we go about our regular lives. Human beings have gotten to this point where they don't need our consent because they're too good at manipulating us, right? So as much as I know for a fact that we're going into a robotic future, it's only we have to have these conversations because, you know, we don't know if we can any longer decide that future anymore or is it completely 100% decided for us because we've reached this point in time where there's a robotic God. It feels as though it's become inevitable, right? And you bring up a really good point that I want to talk about is what our role is here. Like, what are, supposed to, what are people supposed to feel after they watch this? Mm. What is our role? Are we supposed to, obviously we just stated that this is something that's dangerous, that's manipulative. Perhaps the most dangerous tool ever given to man in the history of reality. Because, because it, can be, it can be weaponized. For anything and for any purpose, and for any God that wants to use it for good or devil. For as many positive innovations that we create, equally creates negative possibilities as well. Because the incentive for negativity is higher than the incentive for positivity. As above, so below. And also, as negative as it gets, there will be an equal number of positive use cases as well. It's That's a, that is the possibility, but we don't always see that. For every tech giant and every food giant that exists that makes food that is not good for us, we don't have an equal success story on the opposite side, right? We're going into an era maybe post cell phones. We won't be using cell phones possibly, right? But we don't have an equivalent of an Apple or pharmaceutical company that is on the holistic side or the nature side. We actually don't truly see that maybe in a, in a fractured way, right? But not this collective entity in power, right? Many people would say the devil rules this world, right? Because we have to fight against so many things that the rulers of this world create. And if we were in alignment with those who are controllers of the planet, let's say this, right? And I'm gonna let you finish your thought because they always tell me I interrupt people. And, and this is where I kind of want to go from. Oh. Oh. What? Oh, that's not that. Oh. So this kind of where I want to go from it. We, we at this, this, this stage where if you think about it like this, everybody doesn't care who runs the planet. There's a small percentage of people who run the planet. This is a conversation we never have. Who runs the planet and who is responsible for planetary affairs and time? So those are the rulers of time and space, right? So oftentimes you hear a conversation about overpopulation. Overpopulation is a conversation for those who believe that they are in control of planetary affairs. I was reading this book, and in the book, this was a book that was written a while ago, but in the book it was talking about what is the perfect number of human beings to have shared resources on this planet Earth, right, where you don't stress the resources on this planet Earth, and people can live a certain quality of life, right? Now, he gave a number. That number was somewhere around like 1.4 billion, a very small number, comparatively where we at today in society. We are literally at a tipping point in society where we can see the stresses of resources everywhere. We're killing billions of animals, right? So that we can feed more human beings. We're utilizing the planet resources of oil. We have issues in Congo going on. We are, we are making missiles and weapons. 
Why? Because we have so many people on the planet Earth and we're trying to figure out how do we get along with man having all this ego and ego wanting to run their affairs. Some people on the planet say we want it this way. Some people want it green. Some people want it eco. Some people want it ego, right? So as we go into this thing is, do people care about planetary affairs, right? Or do we just reacting to those who make decisions and then somebody has to? Because if you let the world just move in a random about of things, right, then we see what the current state of affairs are. So I think we've gotten to a point where specifically melanated people do not think about planetary affairs in the high order of what are the concerns of our planet and how do we fix them and how do we look ahead in the next 100 years and decide for those 100 years based on these plans, right? So if we look at Africa, Africa is in need of somebody going over there and thinking about the continental affairs. Africa is 19 years old. It is so many young people. Resources are stressed, right? How will Africa have a future where people are thriving with a high quality of life? How can we use technology in that, right? There are many ways to go out there and build infrastructure, but there are a lot of inevitables if we want to continue to grow the population of the planet Earth. There are some things that must be done in order for that to happen. And the overall consensus is the people hate when people uh, convene about planetary affairs. Those are the world economic stages, right? You know, there's all these forums that we have and it's like, actually somebody got to do it. The problem is, is that you want to go about your daily life and you don't want to have anything to do with that. You only want to react to what their plans are, but you don't have a better one. And you just have to decide if you're okay with that, which pill you're going to take, you know? And is there only two pills? Can it be another choice? Because neither pill wanted to destroy the matrix. Do you want to destroy the matrix? I want to build another one on top of it, mm. right? A matrix in our image. Well, that's, you can't- Reprogram the matrix. You can't describe the environment without describing the individual. And you can't describe the individual without describing the environment. Mm, explain that. We are, if you saw me right now, but I had, there was no couch. There was no background. It was just me on blackness, nothingness around me. You couldn't describe what I'm doing or what I'm wearing or even what colors are on me because you're comparing it to nothingness. The only way that you can describe my actions or my aura or how I look is by comparing it to my environment itself. So when we talk about these things, that is why I've taken a grateful approach because what we observe is what is created. And that is how you reprogram your environment is by looking at it differently. Literally how, if you change the way that you see things, what you see changes. You cannot separate yourself from the environment. So when we talk about these things, when I talk about AI, it's the reason why I'm, I'm speaking about it in an optimistic way because we are speaking these things into existence and that's exactly what artificial intelligence is it's a manifestation machine it's a gener it's generative ai and it already is the inception it's the it's the matrix layer on top of this generation right here we're generating our environment right now we're generating how we're perceiving it 
um, how you're hearing my voice, how, how I look and sound and feel to you. You're generating that right now. And AI is the next program layer of matrix on top of that. And that's why I say that artificial intelligence is the, is the gateway to self-actualization because you have to know what you want before you can truly utilize artificial intelligence in the right way. What is it that you want? Do you want to bring the population of the earth down or do we wanna find ways to make earth more sustainable with more people? And you can do both. Right now, scientists are using artificial intelligence to generate millions of different combinations of, of, of uh, protein structures, of molecules, and they did it on accident. Um, what they did was is they tried to generate molecules that would be able to essentially kill this virus. And they said, just generate as many uh, options, combinations of these molecules as possible to kill this virus. And what happened is, is they came back overnight and there were hundreds of thousands of different molecules that were combined. And a lot of them could wipe out humanity. What they decided to do with that data was then reverse all of it. And they just said, okay, well, if you generated all of these that could hurt humanity, please generate the opposite side of it and generate the cure to all of these. So you can equally use AI in either direction that you want. And how we're viewing our environment, how we're viewing the world that we want to go into is how we're actually going to create it. You know, when you look at a particle the particle is actually everywhere. There's, there's this thing called the cloud of possibilities uh, where an electron can be in any superposition around a proton at all. It looks more like a cloud of possibilities than an actual fixed position in space. It's only when you look at a very particular point where that electron will show up. And it's only there because that's where you looked for it, mm -hmm. right? That happens on this scale and it also happens on a macro scale and just the environment that we're in right now. And I just take that into the philosophy of artificial intelligence and technology. What is the world we want to go into? Is this a problem or is this a possibility for a utopia? All right, so I understand that. And I guess it goes in, we're going to go into different future iterations, right? The issue is not the ability to use it for good. The issue is the ability to use it for bad. Weapons of mass destruction would always do more harm than good. What they built for? Guns will always do more harm than good. What they built for? They, they built to rip through human flesh, right? The question is, why did we build AI in the first place? Now, if we go back to the authors of AI, and I'm talking about the fictional authors that supplanted it into the minds of the people, in the inception of these ideas, at least from white patriarchal intellect, there was always an evil pronounced. There was always the signs of a tool for the ultimate manipulation of the people, right? And for you to play God. And they always seen this ultimate end of this self-prophesizing fulfillment of creating a technology of all technologies that ends man. Now that's a very harsh narrative on a new technology, it hasn't even been invented yet, right? So we don't have enough good narrative in the minds of the people to conceive a reality to where AI produces the exact thing that we want without it falling into the hands of those who have the most power, right? That keeps society fragmented 
right, from this collective consciousness that decide to use it for a good power, right? So therein lies the dilemma that people will have forever. You have to utilize it, and not just AI, but technology, period, disruptive technology, in a way where you decide that it is the very tool that you will use to fight back from the world that is to the world you want to be. That's the question. There's a culture we have, and then there's a culture we want. What is the culture we actually want? The conversations have to, we have to think about both, because if we don't think about both, we'll be attacked in ways that we don't even realize because we haven't thought about it. So in this scenario, we don't have the privilege of not having these conversations, of not having, if AI builds a world around you, how will you inevitably escape it? And there are shows about this. The last Mission Impossible was about this. And AI is so goddamn powerful that it's predicting every single move before you think about it because it's thinking about every particular uh, possibility that can happen and every move that you make is recalculating and adjusting for that. And it's picking these archetypes and it's picking everything. And I don't know a human being that can do those type of calculations to even decide because we may say, based on our intelligence, oh, that can't happen. But, you know, the average person is not good at math. <laughs> the average person can't calculate where they're going to be in a month from now, right? Can't plan two weeks ahead. So having a machine that, let's say, that can plan 200 years ahead, right? And it knows the course of events that human beings will take for the next 200 years. It's very hard for me to just settle that in my stomach, right? Unless we, and this is the only way that man could have any control over this thing is that there's a symbiotic relationship with it to where man is not just using it, he becomes a part of it, right? And that is the idea of the matrix. They never controlled the robots. They had the ability to control the matrix inside. But there's just another thing of you literally getting along with the machine. The machines are here. They won't be uninvented. Either they destroy the world or they make a better world. We only have two choices, right? I vote for a better world, of course. I vote for seeing better people in positions of power. And this is what I wanted to do is to democratize power. More than anything on the planet Earth, the democratization of power. I don't care who's a billionaire. I don't care who's a millionaire. I don't care what position. I don't care what corporation you work for. I want us to have a conversation of who has power and how we can use this for power. Because without that, your ideas in your mind matter not. Everybody has an idea, just like everybody can fart. Who cares, right? Until you have the ability to execute that and bring it into reality, it don't matter. What is the metric of power? If it's not money, if it isn't position, what is our metric of power now in the age of technology? In the age of technology, the metric of power is the ability to narrate your ideas into reality, right? There are multiple wars of ideas going on. The future of blank, right? Whether it's education, let's say, what is the future of education? Now, I can have an idea, you can have an idea. I believe the future education should be this customizable thing with smaller class sizes where children can really get, you know, um, a curriculum based on their skill set and true interests so that they can go along the world building a life on their passions. 
right? And the teachers have to have a high level of well-being, right? I don't think if, if, if you are not made for teaching, you shouldn't be able to apply for teaching. You know what I'm saying? Nobody should have to go into debt for education whatsoever, right? Um, and there's all these mechanisms of ergonomics and ways that you can design curriculums, school atmospheres, because I don't think the schools themselves are necessary. I think that what you do is you democratize the schools to the household. You regulate that to some sort of, you know, design way to where I feel like if we can eliminate public schools, we can have a better public, right? And what happens is, is the biggest thing about school is the networking opportunity with other children, right? And so you create a facility to where they can have recess, right? Send your children to go play with other children, right? But perhaps most of the learning time needs to be in the home, right? Developing that child. Maybe they need to be with you. They need to shadow you in your life. You understand me? They need to learn about who you are and what you do. They need, because the most what I learned is my pop's taking me somewhere, my uncle taking me somewhere, and I'm shadowing them. It's the field trips that, took, that, that taught me the most. It's the traveling that taught me the most. But this curriculum of you don't learn about MC Square and all of this crap, that don't help nobody in life. Now, here's the thing. Do I have the ability to bring that into reality? Now, that's how I would measure my power. These ideas, what I want for the world, the willfulness that I want for the world, and the ability to make that a reality. As you were saying, ideas are, everybody has ideas. Everybody, everybody farts, but how can you actually actualize? How can you actualize that idea? How can you execute that idea? And <laughs> you can do it with money and you can do it with position, right? So I feel like my path towards this, because I, I believe I align with your vision, especially for education, it needs to be personalized. It needs to be tailored to the individual. The curriculum that's being taught Everybody, when you give everybody the same base level information, nobody can, can, can rise. You know what I'm saying? You're keeping everybody at a base level. So when you can personalize the education based on the data points of how each individual child learns and they can do it without maybe their, their teacher or their actual parents even being there, um, you would solve the problem that a lot of people have with like the cost of daycares. Uh, you would solve the problem with the teacher to student ratio. Um, you would solve disruptions in the classroom uh, by personalizing education in a way that each student can actually learn from that's suitable for how their brain works, right? And this is exactly the other side. We can manipulate people based on how their brain works. We can also educate people based on how their brain works too. So as, as negative as these tools are being built, we can use these same exact principles this way. It's what Duolingo does. They use like social media tactics to make people learn more. You know what I'm saying? Snapchat had the streaks where, you know what I'm saying? You had to Snapchat the same person every day, whatever. Duolingo does the same thing where, you know what I'm saying? You have a streak of days that you were learning a new language. So we can still utilize these tools that are being used to hurt a particular um, demographic of people to help them as well. Um, and that's, that is what I see AI, um, that's, that's just what I focus on. I'm a tech futurist. But I understand, I have to understand the negative to, to teach people about the positive. I just choose to talk about this part because I know that there's so, every headline that I see is negative. Yeah, but those headlines don't go into details. They go into just the fear mongering aspect of it, but not the education of it. 
When I hear somebody start talking about the post-truth era and how things can be used, I hear, okay, this is how I need to fortify my mind and protect my brand, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's an educational process. And if it happens to be what person considers to be negative, then it needs to be more education around it because it hasn't happened yet, right? All of it is just education, right? It's, it's neutral, right? You can't just educate people on, you know, um, how to market without saying that, okay, you know that these things will also be used to market people things that they don't need, which may also increase diseases, right? That's a real thing, right? So as we talk about these things in the future of, like as we go talk about the future education, future education is, is pivotal because education is the slowest industry that learns. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I was just talking to some teachers about this. It's like, what if the students had to give you a grade, right? What would your grade be? Yeah. Some students would get a B, a C, a D, a F, right? They would flunk. I don't think it should just be a, you give a student a grade, you understand me, and then that's it. No, this is a collaborative process. If they're not learning from you, you're not a good teacher. What if the AI gives you a grade based on the data points of your students? Now you got a camera in there that's grading the whole thing, because my suggestion was, what if you got a profile for each student? You know, their personality tell you know everything about them. So the AI be like, all right, what did what would they get on that last assessment? All right. Well, maybe based on this child education, you know, history, parents, upbringing, background, personality type, right? You should teach this child like that. You should use visual cues for this one. But this one may need a direct approach, right? So it's like if the education is not customized, you can never truly develop that child correctly. Right. And then some children will be rewarded because the environment is already customized to their natural personality type. Yeah. I don't think teachers are ever going to be graded because the AI will be graded. The AI itself is what's going to be graded. The teacher is just there to be a, a, a nurturing spirit. It's not the human isn't really even there to teach anymore. It's to nurture. That is what we are as human beings. We connect. We want a tribe. We want people to hug us. We want people to hold us and like take care of us, right? So if your teacher is in that position rather than as a um, rather than as a teacher, but as a nurturer in that position, because the AI can teach, gather all of these data points. Let's talk about data points. Data points on Instagram, for example. You can double tap and like. You can save something. You can share it. You can comment. You can post on your story. You can post yourself, right? You can rewatch. How, how long are you watching a thing? Take those exact same data points and put it into a book. Put it into your digital interface where you're reading a book, you're going through a lesson. All of these data points of how long were you reading this thing? Did your eyes look away because you got bored? Um, did, you, did, did you actually learn something after this? Did you ace the, the short quiz after you took it, right? Now the AI can grade itself on how it's teaching the students, right? Now you don't need the teacher there to be individually grading all types of different kids. Because that teacher as an individual has a bias. And that one bias is being evenly distributed across, across kids that are all different, right? So now that teacher can just be there focusing on the nurturing spirit of taking care of each kid, making sure that they feel comfortable in their workspace and that they're actually learning something, you know, in a comfortable environment. Like even with science, science goes through this, this you publish a paper, there's a peer review process. But even that, science is a cult within itself, and it's a members-only club. Certain papers get published, certain things we hear about, 
certain theories and certain ways of that chain of information, right, is given to the public and it's accepted as proof of a new concept or a new science. But if we was to put that on like the blockchain with AI, perhaps we can get more science published, right? And perhaps that science takes us in a different direction because I don't think that, and I wanna say this carefully, when I think about the scientific community, number one, it's been very white in this country, right? Because we don't all agree on reality. And there's certain science that is pushed to the forefront that is more in alignment and agreement with the current science, right? If something seems too wild, right, then they don't listen. There's not enough money given to certain research. Why? We just accept that. Oh, these holistic supplements, there's not enough research to test. Why do we always read that? So they've been around goddamn forever and nobody's putting millions of dollars behind them to do these double blind studies and figure out why they work or why they don't work. That makes absolutely no sense to me. But when you study the history of America, it does. So when human beings have this ability to start saying that, okay, well, here's the thing we wanna solve. Can we put money to that? And research becomes independent, right? Because even scientists have to fall under kind of like lobbyism, if you will, right? They have to have certain alliances to certain things as well, right? We've seen that with Epstein. Epstein was funding all these scientists, right? Who the hell was he in the first place and why the hell was he funding these sciences? And we have no way of like really going back and looking at that and what is the true effect, right? Fruit of the poisonous tree is what they call it in legal terms. Like how many things were actually touched by that branch? So now when I think about society, I feel like we get to rip up all the foundations of everything. We talked about banking and it's like, this banking system always sucked, right? You can't save money, you can only lose money. Right, you put it in there, inflation is higher, you know what I'm saying, there's snoop most of the time, and we ain't got no way to be able to regulate this. So what if we get to decide to live life in a customized way? Maybe you don't want the Western way, maybe you want an Islamic banking system, right? Maybe you want to have the ability to do microfinancing and loans and things of that nature. Who is these people that even get to decide? Why is Congress there? Why don't we just have a blockchain system replace them? Or there's just a transparent voting system to where we get to really have a democracy based on what the people believe. Not the people that's voted in to decide and manipulate the people along the way and then stay in there till they die. This to me, when we start ripping up the foundations of society, you start going over everything. And then if everybody start having AI and they start asking AI these questions, why is this, why is this this way, why is this this way? We become children again in society and we say, we want new ideas, right? We have new technology, the infrastructure of everything should change. It should never have to wait in line at the DMV ever, ever again, right? The, the, the doctors no longer are just seen as these white coat gods, right? They don't know everything and we know they don't know everything. But we need better systems, and if technology can help us create better systems, which it can, then that's the use case. What if democracy didn't involve voting anymore? What if in the same way that students learn personalized, our lives in that same way are personalized, our banking is personalized, there is no large institution anymore, all of it is a singularity. So this is Constitution AI. Constitution AI, that essentially generates itself based on the individual. So instead of there being a system at all, 
it is a network that is built by the culmination of individual preferences around their money, around their education, around their beliefs. I think, but the voting part is the thing. You, those systems will have to work in cohesion with each other. When you have standards for a system, right? It makes it easier for you to have a society, right? Now, people already live in customized ways. Some people only want cash. Some people don't utilize banks. The problem is, is that you have to operate in utilizing certain systems that have access to certain things because capitalism dictates it that if you don't utilize the bank, we can't finance you here, or you can't get an apartment, or you don't have credit, and you're not working with these bureaus, right? Then you can't get access to certain things, right? So people utilize these systems because they want what these systems give them access to, right? It's the routes that you get, you know what I mean? So the idea of saying no government is an interesting one because the idea is checks and balances, right? How do we know that the AI is truly regulating itself, right? Who, you can't really go inside the AI and see how they made the decision. You can put a human being on stand and tell them, you're not following code, you're not following. The problem is we have cronyism rather than true democracy, right? Where a few group of people, they have special privilege in this world. They get to, you know, circumnavigate the rules that are. We, they get to do things that are unconstitutional, right? And don't have to follow the laws. Laws are not a particularly bad thing, but I believe that perhaps there needs to be a ratification of the Constitution and that can be voted on, right? New laws are submitted. It's not just some old people at the Supreme Court that decide what becomes the new law of the land that is above all laws of the land. Why is that not an apparatus that people get to vote on? I think that the voting system is not a bad one. The problem is that the system itself is rigged. So what we have right now in politics is that we don't have no choices. The, the lesser of two evils is the dumbest slogan ever came up by both sides. Black people, ever since civil rights, it just told vote for Democrats, even though Democrats' history is literally rooted in white supremacy. They were the right supremacist candidacy, candidates rather, and party. So it's like, wait a minute, now we're at this point where it's gonna be hard for people to make a choice. Cause they like, I don't want the lesser two evils anymore. I don't want no evil. That's a marvel idea. How about we get no evil? So all this time, we've just been deciding on which evil we want to, to demonstrate or to uh, represent America. The most marvel idea is no evil. What you doing there, brother? I think he's looking for a book. Is a book on no evil? Bro, the page that I just read, it said evil, it said lying is evil, shame is evil, fear is evil, um, uh, deception is evil, um, you know, just mistreating yourself is evil. It was just saying everything that's evil. <laughs> is it possible for us to not be evil? Is that, is that even possible? Well, I don't consider those things to be evil themselves. Shame is a check and balance system. 
Fear is a necessary system to get us to make a decision that is in alignment with our survival and thriving, mm -hmm. right? So I don't consider those things to be evil. The idea of having a good candidate, right, is completely different than saying pick the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. Let's pick the lesser of two goods or the one who has more good, rather. The yeah, the better of two goods. Yeah. That's just a better slogan within itself. Sure. But when you're telling us already, you got the totem pole so low yeah. that we've said we've had a history of America where we can't decide on, you know, a candidate who isn't evil. So the, the, the idea is always pick the lesser one. Yeah. That's just not a choice, right, at all. So instead, if we said we're going to pick the better of two good, right, now we're actually given a choice that is supposed to be for the betterment of society, right? That's a completely different reality. And so just by that slogan itself, most people couldn't run off that because they don't want to have that standard, right, for them to be able to campaign off of. Right. Well, but, you know, when we vote, one person, one side always gets what they want and the other one doesn't, right? When you have a vote and you have to pick between two things, you know, 65% of people pick this, 35% of people didn't get what they wanted. How do you reconcile that? How can you actually have a unified society when you're inherently divided from the very beginning? Well, then that goes back to what you was kind of saying at first. The answer is separation. Find your tribe season, right? Find your tribe is this idea of you being able to be in connection with people who are like you, right? Now, there can be states that decide that they don't want to have, let's say, abortion, right? Um, people could decide to flock and live in that state, right? And say, you know what? I'm in agreement with that. It's more conservative with my uh, living. The problem is that people don't really want to live around people who are like them. You know what I'm saying? Separation dictates the fact that, listen, if I'm around my tribe, we're going to be automatically more peaceful because we want the same things. Separation says that where I'm at, I own, right? Where I'm at, I'm in agreement with. I'm not on your land obeying your rules. I'm separated. I am on my land obeying my rules, right? The conflict happens is when two people who do have disagreements are living on the same land, right? And we see that all the time in America. We're fighting over things that we don't even have to fight over because we don't have to agree on them, right? You live in your agreed upon way. The problem happens is when there's compulsion. You try to force your ideas on people and force your way of living as the great standard of all standards, yeah. right? Now, we're living in an era where we want to deconstruct everything. There were some things that we were fine with, right? Now, this generation ain't fine with nothing no more. You know what I'm saying? We can't agree on eating honey because it, it somehow messes with the bees. We can't have no honey no more. We don't went too far with this, too soft. So I would rather just live around people who want some honey, put some in the tea, and life is good. But for everybody else who, you know, is a part of that different tribe, y'all live over there. I'm not trying to dictate your rules. You go to certain places, they got a Bible built, right? You go to a library, the rules are be quiet. You don't want to go in there and be loud. Why? Because you're going to disrupt the peace. So I don't understand why we can't just create different spaces and then people live in those spaces and we increase the quality of life for people living in those spaces. Because separateness is a myth. Separateness is a construct. 
there really isn't separation. Everything is a construct. Why do people say construct like construct is a bad thing? It's not a bad thing. It's just it is. It is. You know, it is. And that's the point of just being. But it being, how is that a validation for, you know, it not working? It's not that it, because separation itself is the root of conflict. You're, you're considering the fact that there is separation between you and I. There's a difference between what we think. There's a difference between who we are. And there's a difference between where we live. There is no actual separation. We can create separation to avoid conflict. In your case scenario, what you're saying is, is that, you know, I'm going to separate this so that I can live in peace and in my separateness and you can live in peace in your separateness. But the truth is, is that there is no separation. You cannot communicate yourself separately from your environment. You couldn't even communicate yourself separately from the person that you're trying to separate yourself from. Why not? Because how are you going to know that you are separate from them without them? The only way that you know that you're- Differences. Right, and the difference only exists because there is a difference. Well, the difference exists, yeah. Which is a valid reason for there to be differences is that if my nature is different than yours, there are some people who are born psychopaths in this world. (laughs) Okay. Right? They're separate from other people. Okay. Right? There are some people who have different tastes in this world, right? People were born of different colors, of different mind, of different reason, of different feeling, right? We are separated naturally by nature, right? Everybody's not the same, right? This idea that we are the same is what causes the conflict is we don't take the time to appreciate Mm. the spectrum that Mm. we're all different. I agree with you. Okay, so this is like, you've probably seen the picture of, you know, like Kanye and then just a dude standing there and then there's like a, a color grade and the dude over here is just like brown. And then Kanye's like, nah, that's sesame, earth, mm-hmm. soil, you know what I'm saying, beige. Like, right. He got a whole spectrum of colors. He sees the world in color, right? And some people have a problem with that. Yeah, some, some people have a problem with, you know, we're, we are bringing two philosophies to the table just about the nature of reality, right? People have to decide what is their nature of reality so they can decide what even they, it is they want. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're manifesting things with artificial intelligence, with generative AI. We have to know what it is that we want. So going down to the basics of what is separation at all? What is, are we separate from artificial intelligence? Are we separate from, are, are, is, is AI separate from previous technologies that we've made already, you know? Well, in some instances, no. It's right. just another technology. Right. But it's the... It's not just, at the same time, it's not just another technology. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It goes into this, right? And this is for the people who say AI is soulless or they have fear for AI in a certain way, right? And I talked about this with Hugh a little bit um, in a separate 19 minutes that we had where it was talking about if you go back into time and you look at artists, artists that were at the beginning of the time they utilize whatever resources that they had to paint whatever picture was in their mind, whatever vision, whatever detail. So maybe they had to use just clay, yeah. right? Maybe they only had one color in their environment. So they created the drawings based on that, as vivid as they could, right? And based on the techniques that they knew, based on the tools that they had, then you fast forward hundreds or thousands of years and man comes up with dyes. And now he can put together multiple colors and he learns the art of mixing colors. Now those pictures become more vivid, right? Same, same 
principle and premise, you have an idea in your mind that you want to get out, right? And the skill set that you have with these tools is what allow you to get that idea out, right, at a high degree or low degree. Then we fast forward, man creates these brushes, he has paint, man, he has the ability to sculpt tools, he creates statues, so now he creates 3D figures of 2D pictures, or he learned how to paint in 3D, right? Still the same premise, ideas that you want to express, and the tools are upgrading on how you do it. These tools are considered new technology. A lot of times we don't know how to differentiate the digital technology from technology itself. So the bias comes in digital technology and not technology because we love invention, right? Then even man, when he created light, man couldn't create in the dark, right? There was a whole period of on this earth where you can only do art in the daytime. Right, and then men who have these ideas at night, and women who had these ideas at night, now they can paint, right? Where we had fire and you had the lamp and you could afford that lamp and have the oil burning, the midnight oil burning, that was still a wealthy thing to do, right? People that had those ideas may not was ever able to get them out, not until those, everybody can have oil lamps, right? And then you create the light bulbs, everybody can have these. Then that's a new technology that advances art within itself, right? Which automatically changes the paradigm of art that we're in. You're gonna get new thinkers and new times creating with new tools. You fast forward that to graphic design, computers come out. People start creating art with computers. Purist artists say that's not real art. Graphic designers don't care. We're gonna utilize this and use a suite of tools in connection with this. Then you create Adobe, now learning how to use this becomes specialized things where each tool has a different way that you can go about using it and everybody doesn't have the skill set to use the full suite of tools, they can only create based on what they know to the degree of their skill set and knowledge. But it's just a machine that you're using. Then we go into, you know, the AI age, where it's like, throughout all of those ages, it was just men and women with ideas that they wanted to get out. And the tools changed around that. The environments changed around that. So you're no longer limited by the skill set that you have, right? And, you know, the tool that you can use, right? Because there's a lot of people that don't get the full breadth of their idea ever out because they can't afford to, or they don't know how. They couldn't went to this school and got this education or afford this thing. Some people are self-taught savants. It's not everybody. So now we're in the age where every idea can be brought out because the tools have been democratized. Yes. And it's your, it's your job to manage the ideas yes. and manage the tools and manage the robots and manage the skill sets to bring them out for you. There's less 3D used in the world because of that, right? You will look at CGI and all these different things. Everybody would be using these tools if we had access to studio level tools that we could. But no, you gotta pay somebody to do it right? They got a whole bills and families to pay, so they're going to charge you crazy, right? So you can never truly democratize uh, the ability to bring out ideas unless you democratize the tools that bring those ideas out. And that's what we have today. Yes, 100%. Great breakdown. Great breakdown. Yes, Absolutely. Sir. Okay, so I do this. And that's the, <laughs> I be thinking. That is the democratization of skills. And that is why people are upset though. But the people who are upset were the ones that were charging for that education gap. Yeah. You know I get it. You built your whole life developing a skill that is no longer as valuable because it's no longer rare. Yeah. And I mean, that just happened three days ago when, you know, <laughs> Sam Altman literally walked on stage and said, 
Sam Altman is the CEO of OpenAI. OpenAI owns ChatGPT and DALI. And Sam Altman walked on stage during his keynote on Dev Day and he said, we have 2 million active developers using ChatGPT on our platform. And then he continued on to say, and now we have six updates to ChatGPT that basically wipes out half of them. And that's exactly what technology is doing. People are, are building their lives around certain skill sets. They're building businesses on top of other people's tools. When you were a graphic designer last year, you were building your career on top of Adobe. And when Adobe came out with a new feature, a new tool, now your career was in their hands. Your career was basically gonna rise or fall depending on somebody else's decision, their decision of what tools to implement to democratize your skill. OpenAI is doing the same thing. You are now at the mercy, your business is at the mercy of the updates that the company is making because you are building on top of somebody else's foundation. So what foundation are you gonna build for yourself that's gonna future-proof you regardless of the updates that other companies are going to instill? Are you gonna build on top of them or are you going to separate yourself from them? What separates us from the technology? What makes us different from the technology? How can we build something other than them? We, it feels like we only have two choices. We either build something that competes with these companies or which seems obviously impossible because we have three major players. We have Microsoft teamed up with OpenAI, we have Google and we have Meta. They're all building their own AIs and all of them um, are, are top five on the stock exchange. You know what I'm saying? So how Trillion are you, dollar companies. How are you gonna compete with them? Okay. I think the competition comes in doing the opposite. Tell me. They go high five, you go low five, right? One thing that they don't know, they don't know your friends. You know what I'm saying? They don't know your community. They don't know your environment. They don't have connection with them. They still have to go through influencers. Influencers educate them, tap into affiliate programs, feed the machines, data sets, and now they can utilize them. I always give the breakdown about influencers because influencers are small economies. They are the ones who decide where the money flows, right? The big guys create the system. The younger guys, they got the ideas for the system. Say, oh, I got an idea on how I can get people to flow into that, right? So they do the work. These systems only work if they're in tangent with each other. People at the, the idea level have all the power, right? They can decide to say, or, and they have all the influence decide to say, hey, I don't want to be an influencer for you. I want to be like Logan and KSI and create Prime, right? Why would I take an advertisement deal when I can create my own and go direct to consumer, right? So if we start operating in more direct to consumer models with our influence, and now utilizing the democratization of these tools to have access to build infrastructure, right? Where we can create our own thing and then utilize our influence to service our communities, then we have no reason to take a check from a larger corporation. Now, most people won't do that. Number one, it's a lot of work, right? The idea of boss and employee is that they both actually work for each other, but it's never really been narrated in that sense, right? The, the boss has to make sure that the employees are straight, right? You have to make sure that you pay the bills. You have to make sure that you cover everything that the business is flowing and you have to make sure you pay me on time. You know what I mean? That's what you go to the so-called manager to do. Pay me, give me my goddamn money. I did my work. I'm only here to do one job. I'm not trying to do none of this other stuff. That's all you paying me for, right? Then they clock out and then they leave and they go about their life. The person who owns the company never gets to clock out, right? If something happens to that company at one in the morning, you got to wake up and you have to be on top of that. 
right? So as an employee, you understand me? You are a boss within yourself, right? You're telling this manager that I'm only gonna do this one thing and you have to pay me. And that's how you manage them. And then they're telling you, well, shit, if you don't do what I say for this money and this allotted amount of time and have a skill set that improves, then I won't pay you. But they both need each other. And now we're going to a space where you're trying to figure out how to not need. And there's just a world of bosses and not employees, which is what people consider to be the elimination of the lower class. Because when you eliminate the jobs that the people at, of the lower paying positions are getting paid to do, right, then what do they do? So that's more so the bigger question that people want to figure out. And it's the, the era of creativity and the era of the beautiful brains. Yes. If you don't have a good looking brain and you don't know how to use it, yeah. it's ugly for you. Not gonna lie, they, they, they played us. They got us all the way up to 2023 and made people think that their skill sets matter. Made people think that their job was safe. Made people think that what they were doing was in alignment with the future and now you gotta have a complete disruption. It's not gonna work for everybody. The reason it won't, because younger generations doesn't even care about the same thing. Right. Number one, they definitely don't want to work the jobs. Right. They may not want to work for money. Right. But this also falls in line with technology companies are building for these young people. So, OK, you don't want to work. That's fine. We just want you to consume. Right. And at some point in time, companies are going to have to go away from the metrics of. It's hard to say. A lot of we'll see a lot of companies die off. Right. Banks. We will see a lot of tech companies. People are always worried about is AI a bubble. I don't worry about is it a bubble. The use case will always be useful, right? You're worried about is the stock the bubble that you're invested in if the AI bubbles. That's the only way that that turn matters. If you're not invested in it, the bubble doesn't matter to you, right? I still, as long as I can still use the tool, there's no bubble, right? If you're investing in it, then just put a put on the bubble and make some money. You don't want to learn what puts and calls are? Don't worry about it. So. For me, that's the killer of that conversation. Bubbles only matter for people that's invested. You're building your business based on the idea that this trajectory continues to go up forever. You're building the wrong type of business in the first place. You have to build it in with pivots and exits. Peace family, I know it's a whole lot of AI talk, but understand that we do have one place that you can go to to check out all of the top AIs, the ones that have been made and the ones that are being made, all of the newest ones. Go to thewarehouse.ai and you can see all of the AIs that we talked about from text to image to text to video to text to speech, right? The ones that you can clone yourself, whatever it is, keeping you up to date, go to thewarehouse.ai ASAP. Peace. I got a question for you. What does your cabinet look like? What is it that you're taking into your routine that's keeping you high level? If it's not our products, then whose products are you taking? And if it's no products, then that's a problem. Y'all seen our commercial for Goldwater, right? You've seen it all over high-level conversations. You come to the show, you grab your bottle, people give us the best testimonials on the planet, and we got people on the go. The thing about Goldwater is, it's not our only product. We have products like the vitamin C moss. We don't naturally produce vitamin C, so we gotta get it in other forms. So therefore, especially during wintertime, we are able to keep that immune system functioning high. Let's say if you just want pure moss. This is just pure moss. I'm talking about the superfood, the best on the planet. And not just from anywhere, because you never know when people actually getting their moss from. I ain't never seen them take a trip to Jamaica. See, we get ours tested. 
right? To make sure that you're getting the highest quality, pure version of it, and you're getting those minerals in an over-chemicalized world. We got Smart Moss Gold, right? That Smart Moss Gold is like a Viagra for the brain. You ever find yourself where your brain feels like it's low? You tap one of these and your brain gonna feel high level. Yeah, and women love a sapiosexual, so when those brains are popping and those ideas are running, you stay tapped in. You gotta make sure you stay safe out here. There's all sort of viruses and diseases that's running around this world, especially during this time. If you're traveling, make sure you spray this on the orifices throughout your body to kill any of those viruses or any of those things trying to invade you. So make sure y'all tap into goldwater.com so next time somebody asks you, what's keeping you high level? What's keeping you young and healthy and wealthy feeling? And now we can take some of that credit for it over here at goldwater.com. Make sure you keep your health journey running. It's a marathon. Peace. Peace, family. If you want to see us at the highest level, if you want to see us at the top of the podcast charts, <laughs> this is the way you can help, not just with your views and your attention. First of all, I want to thank you for being here, listening, watching, sharing, but we also need you to comment. This is how support looks like. I need you to comment the best thing you liked about the episode or the worst thing. It's up to you, whatever you would like to share. Then I need you to go and put in the five stars. Go to Apple's, go to Spotify's, go everywhere. And I need to see them testimonials. And I need you to go on Apple and Spotify and download and subscribe. The more downloads we get, the better we get able to do a business. And the more we can grow this high level media. Again, I want to thank you all for supporting. Thank you all for tapping in. If you want to book, the booking email is 19keys at 19keys.com. Tap in. So, I got a question for you, though. What's the best tool that you've used so far? Uh, it's ChatGPT, of course. ChatGPT is the strongest, most capable AI model that is available for public use. It just is. There's no, there's no way around that. Um, I use it every day. It's like my homie. Yeah. For real. And, um, like your girlfriend? Nah, it's not like my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm just checking because it's, it's, it's a lot of incels out there. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I think that people may use a 19 keys like a Mr. Grateful for a boyfriend one day. For you sure. think so? Yeah. I would allow that. Of course. Like you talking about the, the AI mm -hmm. version, mm -hmm. right? Like an AI version of me or you. How much? How much you written that out for? Um, I might not rent it out for anything. I might allow people to just have that connection as a brand touch point so that whenever I do have something to sell to them, they're more emotionally open to whatever I'm Oh, you're selling yourself for cheap. No, I'm not selling myself for cheap. I'm using it as a brand touch point so that people are more open to whatever so it is. So you're going to be a free boyfriend for millions of women out there. Wouldn't that be great? And if I have millions of them that are paying for or that aren't paying anything, but I got 10% of them that are paying when I have something more expensive to sell. Side AI pieces. I would rather have that than to, I mean, people are doing it right now, like OnlyFans basically. Is well, yeah, I mean, guys are in love with machines. Women are in love with machines. Women got vibrators, men got mm -hmm. Playstations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They spend all their time with them <laughs> on the computer with the lotion. Yeah. That's, that's computer love right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. I think, you know, this is why the inevitable is gonna happen. Sex robots is gonna be crazy. You know what I'm saying? The spatial industry where, you know, you beaming in 3D goddamn pornos. It's going to be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Banking and sex industries evolved the most during these technological shifts. So the unfortunate reality is the in-sales is going to get worse. As technology continues to improve, people fall in love with it more. And they may, you know, find themselves 
completely immersed because we can talk about Apple's. Uh, I want to get some predictions on Apple visuals. What's mm -hmm. the thing called the Apple Pro? Thing? Vision Pro. Vision Pro. Yes. In my opinion, that is the most advanced piece of technology hardware that has ever been produced. Why do you think that? <laughs> the technology that's built in there, I think they have, I don't want to say the number, but it's hundreds of custom technology patents that were created specifically for the Vision Pro. What it does is it tracks your eye movement by the millimeter to understand what it is in space that you're looking at. And then you can just tap with two fingers like this to select it. So there is nothing in your hands. There's, it's just augmented reality in space. This is different from VR. There's VR and AR, virtual reality and augmented reality. And I think that the future is augmented where we have digital interfaces in our real world. A lot of people go to Ready Player One of this place where you go to escape to. The real world is a dystopia and you kind of put these goggles on to escape. I don't think that that's the case. I think digital interface, it might be for a certain, certain group of people who like escapism, but um, in the future, the main, the, the masses are gonna be augmented reality where we have digital interfaces in our real space. And- like Minority Report. Yes, yeah, 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 like Minority Report. And you'll be able to interact um, with avatars, with other people, um, you know, with your, your own avatar, with AIs with social media, no more screens, um, and no more like, uh, no more virtual realities. It'll be augmented. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mixed reality. Mixed reality. So I like mixed reality better. Me too. Yeah, you know I mean, um, number one is, is it's not locality to like one surface. So six feet in front of me or 12 feet in front of me, right? And then that thing has to stay stationary. No, you can move around with it, right? I seen Donatelli create a, you know, uh, VR where they was running on a pathway and like you kind of running like Sonic and you get to collect these coins along the way, yeah. right? Yeah. And you got this headset on and it makes it more of an immersive experience while you outside, right? right? Yeah. Now, some people will say nature is enough. I believe nature is enough, but for some people they won't go out in nature, right? Unless they have more, right? Because otherwise they will sit at home getting bigger and bigger and bigger right, eating powdered sugar donuts while falling in love with their next game, right? They got that new, um, what's that new one game come out with Rockstar Games? Um, GTA. GTA, that new GTA about to have people in a chokehold. You know what I'm saying? They, this is the most expensive game that's ever been built. I believe you're gonna be able to make real money in there. You're gonna have a character that grows old, right? And you're gonna be able to play it from multi-dimension. So if you can play it from your Apple Pro, Right, and you talking to people real life in the game, having conversations. It's gonna take every element of all the technology we've seen, right, and it's going to infuse it and create this world. Yes. It hasn't created a new game in how long? Right. And people still using it? Yeah. And now they got the ability for you to like create your own avatars to customize the game. So I believe that GTA is going to be the real, the ready world player. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's, implementation absolutely yeah and they're going to implement ai in this really cool way too i predict where the npcs are all ais mm. all of the characters that you interact with that are not actual players yeah. non-player characters they'll have their own little life they'll also grow old they'll react to the weather though their clothes will change their personalities will be different you'll be able to interact with ai on a more like individual level rather than 
The problem that I have with AI right now is that it seems like this omnipotent singular thing. You're kind of talking to an AI. And I think uh, soon, this is what Lenovo revealed when I went to their conference. They had a concept called hybrid AI. There's three types of AI. There's um, public AI, which is like ChatGPT. Everybody has access to it, but it's trained on public data. So everybody has access to the same tool, but all the, it's trained on the s same data, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have private AI. Private AI is, um, it's only available to a select group of people. So say only high level media has access to this particular AI, right? We have high level AI, by the way. You do, and it's trained on internal high level documents, right? And then you have private a or uh, personal AI. Personal AI is only trained on specifically your data points. Nobody else has access to that data other than you. This is data points that maybe your Apple Watch is collecting on, your sleep, on your cycle, on um, your activity level, on the amount of food that you're eating, you know what I'm saying? All, all of that. So you have these three different AIs, but you know they're together, it's a hybrid AI. Mm -hmm. So I think people are gonna start seeing more of an individual personalized AI experience rather than this like omnipotent thing. In GTA 6, having NPCs that are trained as an AI, it's gonna open the door for that and make people a bit more, it's gonna be the Trojan horse that's gonna allow people to, to accept um, personal AIs, um, you know, in, in, this, in this new era that we're entering into. I agree with that. That goes back to the chat GPT bots. Like I said, we have a, a high level AI, it's trained on everything high level. We have a 19 key AI, it's trained on everything 19 keys. When I say trained on everything 19 keys, I mean I literally sit down there, it asks me questions, I answer the questions. I have writings of mine that only I have access to. So instead of just writing a book, right, what I'm doing is I'm taking all of those transcripts and I'm uploading it to an AI and so it's like I'm giving you a living book. Right, you can ask this book questions, you can read this book, right? I can upload it in chapters and you can say, hey, what's the first chapter? What's the first page? You can go page by page with it if you want to. Or you can ask it to customize the book in a, in a way where talk to me like 19 keys will give me advice because it's trained on a certain knowledge set and it's only the knowledge that I give it. Now I can decide to say AI, you can have the ability to cross-reference and search the internet, right? I can create the parameters and rules around it. So with these, I think it's brilliant because it creates a completely new type of product. It's a product that can continue to advance. I can sell it to you once, but it can have value forever, right? So if I say, okay, my next book, 19 Keys, um, and I'm giving you the secrets of high-level observation, right? Now I'm gonna take all of the thoughts and all the ideas and all of my research over the years, and I'm gonna feed it to this AI, and I'm gonna say only from this knowledge set right, that person can engage with it. So you say, what is 19 keys? And it's gonna give you a breakdown that I never really never share, right? And you can ask it whatever question you want. So we're going into completely different things. Like if a person just say, hey, I have an AI on virtual and augmented reality and mental health treatment, and it's only trained on this book. Yes, you can read the book itself, right? Or everything inside this book you can ask questions about and it's going to answer the questions based on the knowledge that's in this book, not the knowledge of the world, right? right? So I see, and I don't wanna give all my ideas out with this stuff, but you know, there's going to be an AI for about every historical figure. You're gonna have an AI for all the people in your family training on as much as you know about them, ancestors, right? There's an AI on goddamn different frogs. You can have an AI on different animals, 
trained based on their behavior, right? You have AI on dolphins that speak their language and they're learning how to speak to animals utilizing AI right now. But problem is they say they don't know what they're actually saying to the animals yet, right? But they just know that they can mimic sounds and patterns and then utilize those. And then they will, I guess, study what that pattern is and what they're getting from that. So talking to whales and dolphins and our, our interaction with animals is going to be different, right? Imagine being able to walk into a beehive and tell it that, listen, I'm not here to kill your queen bee. You know what I'm saying? I just want a little bit of honey key. I'll move out the way. And then they move. Now, I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but you know it's all the buzz right now. You feel me? This is the type of technology we got popping. <laughs> I gave myself these little dad jokes. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even a father yet. But now you're right. Um, we're gonna, communication is, gonna be, is going to change because the superpower of AI is prediction. Right. It's pattern recognition. Ariz AI. Ariz AI. Ones. Have you seen the glasses? The Riz AI glasses? Oh, man. He has some, somebody from a very prestigious school, maybe Harvard or Stanford, made glasses that will transcribe what a person is saying across from them yeah. and then give them a hologram of what they should say back that has the most That's reels. super lame, first of all. <laughs> you think that's corny? Maybe for networking. <laughs> but for dating, you're not actually getting a real person. And when them glasses not on, what the hell you gonna say? So you just gonna wear the glasses the whole time. That remind me of like, what movie was that? Like Nutty Professor or something where he took some kind of formula, but the formula runs out at some point in time. Now you gotta run away. No, man, you just gotta develop yourself as a man. Listen, man, we gonna do this stuff. You don't need no AI. I can teach you some game. You know what I'm saying? You, you join high level order, we got you. You feel me? I teach you how to talk to women. I teach you how to talk to yourself in the mirror if you need it. I think when we go too far with man and machine, man lose the art of being man, right? When machine has to tell you to be man, you're not being a man, right? You can learn on the machine, but when they tell you how to talk to women, that's different than teaching you the psychology of to be yourself, right? And so I don't want us to get, because that's where a lot of this new society, these young men study these things, these facts on the internet, and then they go about using it, but that's just manipulation. Right? I talked about the four dark sides of society and I don't want us to get to that point of we're just super narcissists with and manipulators because everybody think they smarter than the next person. That's not cool. You got to develop your flow, you know what I'm saying, as a man and be it. Because mostly it be off energy anyway. Because what y'all going to do is y'all going to kill the gang where women ain't going to care what you saying. You know what I'm saying? Because if you already know, you could ask the machine to say that. So now that's the post-truth era. I don't know if this is true. You don't know if this person really texting you or is it automated texting. You don't know if that was your real birthday. Everybody gonna want everything in person, live. Y'all destroying the whole thing. So don't over, and I'm saying don't do it, but they gonna do it anyway. So y'all do what y'all do, man. The real one's gonna do it better. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm just saying, man, they only go up the stock for the real ones because you're going to be doing so much fake stuff. Yeah. It's going to work for a while. Yeah. But then ladies going to be like, man, this fake as hell. The I'm, same way women got fake asses, titties, booties, I was just about to lashes. Say, yeah. Men Do they care? Fake personalities, mm. game. Um, there's never going to be a time where you got to ask what you want to eat. AI got that covered. Where you want to go on date, AI got that covered. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that part is where I feel like it's really taking out the soul, except the fact that if the experience is good, that's the only way to judge it. Experience will be the highest level of value in society going forward as a metric of value, right? The AI can say, I want y'all to go horseback riding. I think this would be good. 
right? What's your what's your personality? What's hers? What's your star sign? What's hers? Boom. You feed all the little information to it. You know, how we stalk each other. You know all the little stuff about a person. You feed that in the machine. It's the person I'm with. You know what I'm saying? Down to the Kabbalah. You know what they name mean, mm. right? AI make that suggestion, but you gotta make the vibe. Facts. It's gonna be about the vibes Facts. and the experience. Yeah. They gonna say, go horseback ride. Yeah. Now, if you go there and you lame, ain't no vibes. Like, man, this was a good <laughs> idea. Everything else was around it, mm -hmm. but the vibes was off. Mm -hmm. So you ain't sensational in your vibrationals? Yeah. Man, listen to this. This is more than educational. Yes, sir. Yo, this isn't science fiction either. Humane. Uh, the company founded by two of the former Apple product developers created the AI pen. Mm -hmm. And on their recent demo, one of the use cases that they used was they said, please suggest a place for us to eat with me and Brian or whatever it was. And it automatically knew based on all the text messages from prior that Brian liked sushi. So it just gave up three sushi spots that, you know, they might like. This isn't science fiction. This isn't new. Like, mm -hmm. it's de it's this is real. This is happening right now. Um, so that is what I mean by AI bringing out the most in our humanity. Like, AI has made me connect more with my humanity because I don't have to worry about the repetitive and the, the repetitive tasks and the memorization of life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about those things because AI does that. AI is super good at prediction, at memory, at knowledge recall, at, um, at prediction. You know, I don't need to do any of those things anymore. I can just be more human. What is more human? To me, it is setting my vibe. To be superhuman. To be superhuman. What is it to be superhuman? Because we're already human. So the only thing, it, 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 if, if it could help us with anything, it can only help us becoming superhuman, mm -hmm. right? So entering in the age of superhumans, right? And I think that's what I want this talk to be called, the age of superhuman. If, if, if the technology is not making you superhuman, it's a waste, right? Like if you needed to just be human, that's a problem, right? Now, if it can enhance you to a level, because all those things you described, that's how I am, right? Great recall, great retention of information, great concept, predictive analysis, right? Um, you know, a high level observer, learner, listener, executor. I don't want AI to make me that. Mm. I want it to make me superhuman, mm. right? Mm. To do things beyond my function that I can do in my lifetime, yeah. right? I don't want to have to develop certain skills. I want to play in my imagination. There's a whole segment of society who this technology will be much better for because they never wanted to listen to school. They never wanted to go get those degrees. They never wanted to go get those skill sets, but they always have brilliant ideas. They had the most ideas, but they were procrastinators. They didn't want to do all the damn execution. But now they can feed their ideas into it, and there's a segment of society that has no ideas, no creativity. They relied on their skill sets, they were told what to do, and they were good at performing those habitual tasks. So I believe that AI for this creative consciousness that exists in society, you're going to see a different level of, you know, um, profit come from that particular segment of society that normally were punished for being the over-creative, never-executors, playing in the potential of imagination, but now they have all the tools in the world to do it in an equalized playing field. So that's a crazy game. It's like going to school, getting a good education, and having a network sets you up for life, right? The network, more importantly, higher education, more importantly, in that segment. 
versus a person don't have an education or get an education but don't have the network where they learn judges, attorneys, lawyers, people in different industries. This is their their Rolodex. Their networking was why they were in school building their wealth. Yours, you get the thing and then you're still fighting behind the A-ball to get in those circles. Then social network comes out. And now I can network with anybody in the world and they're forced to network with me because I have the what? The value. It's not whether they wanted to or not. It's no longer that thing. Now is I have the value. I have the economy. I have the skills. I have the influence. I need that opportunity. You will benefit from it as well. Now I have the leverage. Yes, and we have to decide what is the value that we're bringing though, because there are people who are not being fully human because they live their lives doing repetitive things. Repetitive things are robotic. There are people who, you know, they, they go to their job and their job is a repetitive task. It's the same five steps over and over and over and over again. And it starts to drain them. And they are not being fully human because they, they are not tapping into that higher creative fr frequency. They're just not, they, they're not tapped in. So that is what I mean when I say AI is allowing us to be more human. We're going to get superhuman people because like you said, you have higher frequency already, cognitive ability. So it is going to enhance you. Mm -hmm. Another group of people, it's just gonna free them, free them from the repetitive nature of their lives. And in that case, what value are you gonna choose to bring? What, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna bring to the table once this repetitive uh, job of yours is no longer needed of you? You know what I'm saying? That's what people are afraid of because they've never tapped into that higher frequency before, giving themselves that space to receive it. Well, that's, and, but that's, that, that goes into, we will continue to advance technology whether people are ready or not, which is not always, a, it's, it's not a good thing. And the reason I say that is because that force can cause so much stress and anxiety and depression in some people. They can become suicidal, it's too much pressure. Yeah. Society the way that it is is already too much pressure. Yeah. So that's more beneficial to people who are in a more comfortable position already, right? They can, they are cushioned enough to be in an environment where they can learn and start making these changes. You're telling me that my livelihood is at risk and all of a sudden I need to become this new beautiful mind you know what I'm saying, in society so that I can live more purposely, you know what I'm saying? But how the hell am I gonna pay my bills while I'm figuring out all of this stuff y'all telling me? So do we go to a system where the government, you know, a socialism where they just give you money, right? And you're on this welfare system until you figure out a way to make more money because we have to give everybody general access to capital? That's a dangerous world to live in. You know what I'm saying? That we're going towards, and I believe that at the, humanity is at the expense of technological advancement. Right? Um, and we don't really do things with the moral playbook. You know, we're not saying that, okay, well, let's slow this down until people catch up. We're just saying that you're gonna have to catch up because we're not slowing down. Yeah. Now that's dangerous. Now, fast forward to a conversation about global citizenship, because I talked about this before. If, if you want to advance your brand, quickest way to do that, speak multiple languages. You talked about this when I seen you in Meta. So it's now possible there are multiple apps that you can use for this. Mm -hmm. Easy. Mm -hmm. To where right now, if I want to have something that says that I'm 19 keys in Spanish, or this can be in Japanese, this can be in Dutch, this can be in any language that I want to around the world. Yeah.
fellow Union people, I'm now meeting Mr. Grateful, who we met him at their first ever Creator Summit in the week. And here is the translated, the exact same video. So when we say no to the borders and barriers of the world are disappearing and this generation says that we are global citizens, right? So they care about things outside their borders, right? So you can't say, well, that's a far away problem. No, this is a world problem. So it's becoming the borders of your country, nationalism to planetary, right? So. I just wanted you to give us a breakdown on how a person can take their brand and globalize it, right? Utilizing tools. Yes. Okay. Yo, two things. This is amazing. Two things. This first is that I'm proud of Africa for, um, you know, removing the need for visas. Oh yeah. To travel. Shout out to um, Freedom and <laughs> yeah. myself. Yeah, yeah. We did that. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I don't care. If nobody say. Listen, we had this conversation. It went viral. That conversation almost hit 1.5 million views. Mm -hmm. We put out the clip. It, the clip itself hit a million views. Impressions was going crazy. My brother Freedom hit me up. He was like, we did that. Ghana changed it right afterwards when mm. they had the requirement. There was so many people arguing, but European countries do this. Man, we ain't talking about that. Yeah. We talking about Africa. Yeah. You know, the Africa. <laughs> you know, I want to see y'all doing better. Yeah. Not the lesser two evils. We're not mm -hmm. doing that. So Ghana changed it. Kenya changed it. Rwanda changed it. Yes, sir. Now these Africans can move about because we have a high level conversations. Yes, sir. So can we put an applause on that or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to let you continue. So that's the first part. That's the first part, um, you know, on that separation I I issue. That was the first line. We removed the constructs of lines and we allowed people to move as if there was no separation physically. Mm -hmm. The second part, um, is language. Once you get there now, and once you can move freely, how are you going to communicate? That's a big fear of why people actually don't travel. Mm -hmm. it's, they're afraid once they get in a situation, they're not even going to be able to speak to the other people there. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to be able to enjoy it. Now you can. Um, software is allowing us to translate our knowledge and our words into any language. Mm. This makes education global as well, too. So instead of just rising up, you know what I mean, English speaking public schools with education, we can give access to education to people in Africa mm -hmm. in a language that they understand because Africa is very diverse box. and in a 3D box. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can be in Africa without actually being in Africa. You can be thousands of miles away, but standing there in front of them using the um, 3D box hologram, speaking in a different language to people that you've never actually met, but need your information, need the high level knowledge, right? The easiest way that somebody can do this right now is going on like, hey, Jen, and basically going in there, uploading a video of themselves and going to like video translate and translating it to any language that they want. In the future, what's gonna happen though is within these social platforms, you're not gonna have to manually go in there and change your voice. Depending on who is viewing your video, it will automatically change your lips, mm. lip movement. That's a cold piece of work right and there. And automatically change so the language that you So they choose the subtitles like Netflix. Right, exactly. They can choose if they want to watch it in their native language or not, mm. depending on the VPN of like their location. No, ni hao capriende. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. That sounded like Spanish-Japanese. 
in, in Mandarin. In Mandarin, yeah. Depending on who listening. Right. right. <laughs> it's going to be it. Yeah. So, yeah, man, um, it's not just globalization when it comes Dway, to actual Dway. travel. Dway, Dway. Yeah. So, yeah, bro, um, that is, that's globalization on a digital scale. The knowledge that we can give to people, the creativity that we can share, it'll be global now. When's the last time you saw a video of somebody speaking French? Just on the timeline, scrolling, and just somebody pop up like speaking French. You're just like, uh, it's probably je rare. Ne sais pas. Yeah, it's rare. It's rare. So um, now you will start to see that people in France speaking French, ah, oui. but it looks like oui. English to you. We, oui. we, oui. oui. yeah, we oui. see, see. <laughs> <laughs> we could technically make this whole episode. You could release five of these episodes, yeah, and each of them are in a different language. Yeah, you know that's what I'm gonna you be can, raw. You can stack. Yeah, that's gonna be raw. Mm -hmm. Hablando francés, eres como probablemente es extraño y poco común para la mayoría. Es raro, así que ahora comenzarás a ver que la gente en Francia habla francés. Parler français, tu es juste comme je ne sais pas probablement rare. Ouais. Nous voyons. Nous pourrions techniquement faire tout cet épisode. Vous pourriez sortir oui, cinq de ces épisodes oui. et chacun oui, dans une langue différente. これらのエピソードのうち4つをリリースし異なる言語であります。This has always been a strategy of mine is just and this is the thing I mean about ideas is like I've always had these ideas before the tools, right? I'm just to my own a little bit. I've always been a futurist, which means I've always been ahead of my time and I've been an entity that's been helped pushing these conversations forward in a culture by observing things before they're popular and before people have conversations about these spaces. You know, I'm a futurist, so I like talking about the future. I mean, the present is the future, but in the sense that what we're doing right now is building outward. I think there's enough people who talk about the past, so I don't have to use that time to do that. They can handle that. And then I want to talk about what are, what's our blueprint and our plans for the future, because there's a lot going on, and because we're so, I don't like to completely use the word distracted, but in a sense, we're distracted with the plight and the problem so much that we're not actually thinking about the dream. We're thinking about what we want to get rid of instead of what we want to build. And for me, that becomes an issue because when we're, it's, it's almost, uh, we're taking a step backwards as we try to take a step forward. And then it's like, okay, what about the children that have to live in the next 10 years or 20 years and 30 years, what will we have for them besides saying that, look, we just fought to get rid of this? That's not enough for me. So for me, it's about will we have economic systems? Will we have te technological systems? Will we have any AI capability that's geared towards black excellence? Or will we wait for these things to be built and then we will be continuously fighting the system as they're being built? Or will we be a little more progressive in our order saying, no, let's get into this tech race now. Let's do like what Akon did with the Acoin. Let's build our own economic paradigms. And then also 
I know we face a lot of issues with mental health services. Let's start setting up nonprofit clinics all throughout the U.S. Let's stop waiting for governmental intervention and let's just start intervening with ourselves. Let's stop complaining about holidays as paganistic and let's just start creating ones that's more cultural for us. That's building solidarity. Whether it's AI, whether it's blockchain, whether it's these disruptive technologies, whether it's the ways we use social media, media, High Level Conversations itself has changed the way people do, right? Podcasts and shows, right? All across the spectrum, people using the B-rolls, people using, you know, the words and everything, the topics, they've taken the blueprint of High Level Conversations because it's the top in the world, I get it, right? And I've been seeing it work for some people because we are basically a masterclass on how to do it the right way, right? And now we got a lot of other things up our sleeve that I want to talk about is proprietary movements, you know? But you know, you gotta give credit where credit is due. So shout out to my brother Mechie, shout out to Solomon behind the camera. You understand the genius that we've added, you know, first of all has to be appreciated. Um, and we've done something that has not been done before, right? As a high intellectual show that is um, two, three hours long, it's, it goes against the grain, but it was the right thing to do at the right time, which makes it successful. And we've taught everybody else how to do it. And we've shared, right, our secrets with so many different people and consulted them. And there's so many people who have great ideas for terrible execution. So they need to come to high level consultancy. So we got you on that. If you're gonna jump into Crown Society, you're saying that I represent power, I represent knowledge of self. Stepping in the name of drip, get ready with me. Stepping in the name of drip, get ready. With me. I wear the crown to just symbolize, like, I know who I am, I know why I'm here, I know my purpose. It's abundance, it's royalty, it's prosperity, it's energy. Put it in. Yeah. I gotta walk with my head held high because you gotta see this and you gotta see this. I believe that if anybody wants to be able to protect their mind and be able to think freely, Gotta get Crown Society today, man. Neo after the blue pill, the color palette's all black. James Bond mix with Malcolm X and my Che Guevara era. You know, I've traveled to London, Toronto, Ghana, right, Egypt, you know, um, all kind of different places around the world. We've sold out shows, theaters, some of the biggest places in the world. And a lot of people love to see the clips of our results, but I'm gonna tell you where the biggest jewels and keys are is in the process. And the process is not always shown, but it is on Keys TV, right? The behind the scenes, the fights, the arguments, the masterminds, right? The places that we go to, the people that we talk to, the thoughts that will never get into the editing room and just be shown on social media. We decided to give you unfiltered access unlocking the vault so you can tap into keys tv episodes like 19 minutes new original shows that you've never seen being able to see the full and even being able to work with original talent and curate some of that good content that is at the highest level because the way we do things is different than everybody that's why they follow our pattern and on Keys TV, all you got to do is tap into the movement and the revolution will be televised. Peace family, is 19 Keys. This is 19 Minutes. When you focus on creating, the experience that you have of making money is going to be automatically dialed into that. 
Not in excuses, because I don't live with excuses. I live with decisions. We're so fixated on the attention and not where the value actually is. Is that the success is not in completion. The success is in the execution. When I saw that, it turned me up to another level as far as what I'm able to know that I can accomplish. If they take my deal away right now, I know I'll find another way to get money. Yeah. Cause it's just the in me, but I feel like I'm always in that mode, bro. No matter what I'm doing, I'm taking something in. It doesn't mean we have to agree. It doesn't mean any of that, but we're sharing truth. That it's not your responsibility to stop triggering people. It's their responsibility to heal. My ancestral part is you do for your people. They can understand rare human beings that build out all of their complexity and live around their gift skills. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. So, Let's get to something real quick. As we talk about the age of superhumans, I want to talk about biotechnological enhancements. Elon Musk is looking for his first victim, right, for the Neuralink, right? He want to plug that in somebody's head and see if they live or die, right? Or they become smarter and they got access to the internet inside their brain. Now, you're probably going to try to do it as a medical procedure at first. Maybe help somebody out with, you know, autism or some sort of disability right, and see if it works in that category because the idea of medical advancements allow us to be able to push technologies because people are like, oh, that's such a great way. But we know it's money advancement. So my question is, you know, they not only have that, they got CRISPR, um, and they got CRISPR's gene editing that can try to edit out diseases, right, in you and so that you have a timeline of children that don't have those same Right? Maybe you can customize the children you want to, so you want light-skinned children like you. You know what I'm saying? Or you want the dark and melanated monster mooses of the world, sure, sure, like myself. Sure. It's up to you, right? But would you choose, number one, to enhance yourself with technological features, right, with biotechnology? Would you choose to, you know, uh, customize your children? The first time that I saw somebody connect their mind to a machine and control something external from them, but just from their thought, was when somebody created a, they flew, it was a disabled person in a wheelchair. They had no, um, they had no control over their hands or their feet, but they flew a drone over a crowd of people mm. using their mind. And it was just an external headset that had all these different points on it all around That's their head. Amazing. Yes, exactly. And he was able to control uh, the drone and fly it all around. And from his point of view in the goggles, he's in the point of view of the drone. So he can fly around like this, right? Drone wars. Drone wars. That, that's the first time I've seen that happen in real life. 
we've also seen monkeys in laboratories playing Pong with their minds. They have a neural link inside and the Pong paddle is going up and down. And whenever they win and they score a goal, they get a treat, right? So they're training monkeys on how to use their mind to control computer screens. So this does exist, we've seen it. And um, the term enhancement is, I wouldn't say enhancement because all we're doing is we're just shortening the period or we're, we're shortening the time it takes to interact with the digital interface. Like right now, if I wanna use my phone, I gotta reach for it, I gotta get it out, I gotta look at it, I gotta unlock it, then I gotta go scroll and tap to the app that I want, then I gotta scroll and go search for the thing that I'm looking for. It, what Neuralink does is it removes all of those steps and goes straight to what you're thinking about. So it only allows you to interact with a digital interface with a shorter period of time between basically synaptic connections. So now, yesterday when we were looking at the demo of the Humane AI pen, he said, and you can interact with it at the speed of thought. And we were like, cap, cap, you can't do it because you have to think it first and you gotta speak it and you gotta tap this thing and then it gotta think and then it's gonna come back to you. What the Neuralink does is it removes all of that and it goes straight to from thought to digital interface immediately. Mm. So it's not necessarily an enhancement, it's a convenience. And um, would I do that? Is that time worth it to me? Not at this stage. No, I'm not gonna be a guinea pig to that. Um, I'm not gonna have somebody put something in my brain because I am, I am, I am connected myself. My brain is already tapped in to the infinite intelligence, to the other AI, to absolute intelligence. I'm already connected to that. So I don't need to shorten my period of time from thought to digital interface. I want that distance. Some people don't want that distance because they are unable to interact with the digital interfaces that we have right now. You know what I'm saying? If you are blind, if you're deaf, if you can't move your hands, if you do not have hands, if you do not have feet, and you can't interact with these digital interfaces in the same way, it will level the playing field for them as well so they can start to interact with us. And, and that's good. You know what I'm saying? That's what we want but it does come at the expense of the experimentation of it. Obviously there will be a first person to do it. Mm. You know, will, will it work? So it was Arthur C. Clarke that said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. What makes technology and magic different? Technology should be invisible. Magic is seemingly in front of you but you, you missed something, you missed the invisible part, right? So what he means by that is that um, technology, when it's working really well, you don't see the process, you just see the end result. You see the generation and you go, wow, it created it out of thin air. You know what I'm saying? I made the dove appear like the magician out of my sleeve, out of thin air. Where'd it come from? I didn't see the process. So I think that's what he means. Arthur C. Clarke is comparing technology and magic in a way that you're describing the invisible, the mystery of the invisible. The Does mystery it make of God. it not magic if you know the way the magic works? Of course. The idea of real magic is that, yeah, you know the way it works and it's still magic. Of course. That's why we think, you know, that's why uh, manifestation and synchronicities and things, they seem magical because you didn't see the universal processes that were happening in this invisible realm around us. We didn't see all that. I'm just seeing this number over and over and over again directing me on this certain path and I'm just taking it and it seems like magic. It seems like something is communicating with me, but it's invisible. 
technology isn't necessarily magic to me. That's the reason why you and I might have been a little bored yesterday at the event is because we already kind of knew the magic. We knew what was go going on. It looked like magic to some people. People say, wow, oh my God, I never knew that was possible. We were kind of like, yeah, okay, you know what I'm saying? Because we we know the steps, we know the system. Mm. Yeah, I think we that's that's that whole idea. We definitely in the age of magic as well, because it's just, it is magical in a way that human beings were able to figure these things out. But I feel like this magic is an extension of our abilities. Our human beings are so raw that we can create these entities. Right, we can create these things that can do things that we don't understand, right? You can't see inside the AI. So in a way that you can't understand the trick itself makes it magic, right? right? I don't know how sometimes I type in a prompt and it gets it so close to the narrowing field of what was almost exactly in the picture of my mind, right? I'm never gonna be able to go in the AI and the AI couldn't even tell me itself. So in that self, you have magic that doesn't even understand magic, yeah. right? So it's like you're dealing with forces beyond your comprehension. Yeah. And that's probably the thesis of the danger that man speaks upon when he talks about the fears of AI, is that this is a power that we've unleashed that we don't truly understand. And when it gets to a point where it is beyond right, our controlling, then we don't know what the future actually will be. We've only conjured up these ideas of what it might be, right? Which usually ends in this judgment day of Armageddon. But that doesn't mean it will be. Hey, I guess I got a completely different set of ideas for y'all. Y'all boys was tripping. Y'all don't even know what I got for you. Yeah. You know, and it's like, but how do we get to the point where we know that man is controlling and deciding the future of the world versus machines? Yeah. Where do we know that day starts? It's the question almost in that sense. So we are living in... The, the time of alternate dimensions, and Ametri was pointing out to like every show you watch got all these multiverses now, yeah. right? Everything you watch has multiverses. And that's kind of the idea of like being able to switch languages, people being able to watch this in different themes. Yeah. What if they want to change the language, not just the words of something, right? Let's say you download a book and you say, okay, can this book be more humorous and funny? So they go in there, scan the book, rewrite it, and you're reading it. That's already available. You can do that right now. Yeah. What if you do that with content? Yeah. Can can you make this more humorous? So in the midst of the conversation, they start adding uh, jokes that we never actually said, right? right? Maybe they it forces us to smile a little more while we're doing this. So you can now change the color of a lot of these different things. Now you can change it to orange or red or green. You can change the whole set around us. We are living in the age where, yeah, the multiverses that's in our mind, as far as how we want to customize that ideas, everybody can have a different experience with the exact same content. Exactly. And that's why the experience is very important, right? Watching movies, the sack strike is over. Denzel Keys is coming because I'm about to be playing a movie soon. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. I always wanted to play Wolverine, mm -hmm. right? Sony, Marvel ain't got to, they ain't got to cast me. But if I got the content where I can automatically pull out the claws, you know what I'm saying? And I got the fit that's customized and look like me. You feel me? Then I can create my own movie and go watch it at home. Tell her what type of script I want, but I want a PG-13, rated R. Now what if I do this, and instead of the studios being the ones that 
are creating the movies and distributing them that give you the license to the characters to create your own. And the same way Grimes is doing with her music by licensing out her AI voice, they're licensing out the characters and saying, I want a percentage of what you sell. Yes. That to me is the future of content. Yes. Yeah, being able to either place yourself as the characters of something that's already generated, right? How crazy would it be to go- Great licensing era. Yeah, great licensing era. And the biggest hurdle to that is the infrastructure of policy and regulation and blockchain. and yeah, the blockchain is going to be huge for it. But you know, imagine a world where you go to the movie theater or you're at the crib and you sit down and watch Netflix and the main character is you. Right. What if you ask AI for a book on your own life? Right. Based on all the data that is collected over you over the past few decades of you using social media, of the camera, of all your pictures, all your right. videos, all your text messages and you just ask for a book on your life and you can read that. What do you want it to say? You want to say, can I have a happy book about my life with a happy ending? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Can I have, um, can you make a horror movie out of my life? You know what I'm saying? And we are entering that. And we can put that out there. And if it becomes popular, my other people might want to watch our version. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is kind of where we at now, yeah. just not as advanced. Yeah. People like our versions of truth, mm -hmm. the way we tell things, the way we storytell, right? Now it gets to be at this point, because you're going to see super creatives. That's go, the, their rendition of something is going to be way higher than the average person. They may be a thespians at something, and they can go in there and really intricately change the way things are made. That's what directors are, yeah. right? A director can create the same film, but they're going to direct it in a completely different way that you get... Uh, What's the version that, uh, Snyder's version, like Snyder's Cut of Justice League. Right. Same movie, but Snyder's Cut was way better. Yeah. So like your cut of something, yeah. maybe they, they give you the, the raw material and be like, all right, now you can edit what you want in and out. I've never understood why we don't get that in the first place. Why the director's cut is not just given, right? Let people decide. Why do you need to decide the thing for when people will be more appreciative if they got it the way they want it, yeah. right? Why, why can be democratized where people vote what characters that we want to have movies? Why is, why is Disney even deciding yeah. and they have to figure out if it works or not? Yeah. Who wants another Aquaman? Yeah. Why, why wasn't another goddamn Wolverine greenlighted before that when it would have sold? And people decide based on these characters what they liked, what they didn't like. I ain't talking about no Rotten Tomato score. That can be done by bots. The This is going to be better for capitalism because they're going to be able to make things that consumers already want, right? right? right. Not testing the markets and right. things of that nature. Say, like, y'all asked for this. We just made it, yeah. right? Yeah. So that to me is the, the voting system that you can have with customizable reality. Yeah, and I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier with the voting. But whenever you vote, you got some people that are upset. It's like when they made um, Ariel from... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, they made her black. Little Mermaid, they made her black. Black girls were so happy right. to see themselves represented. They could have made a white girl version. And then the cool thing is, is that now the white people, if they want to see the, if they want to see them white, it'll be white for them. Yeah. If a black person's watching it, it can be black for them. It's the same movie. Now the complexion down. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, it is. But then they gonna be like, right. keep the swagger of the yeah. black. Yeah, don't do that though. If you don't, if you want them to be white, then you gotta re remove the yeah. culture too. Yeah. Don't be having no cool ass white dude right. with all this swagger up there. Yeah. Talk about bitch, you want him to look complected. Nah, we ain't doing AI. that though. You gotta take the. I feel like that gotta be the rule. If you want it white, you gotta get the whole white culture in it as well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You need some more data points. Yeah. yeah. Don't don't be trying to. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like. 
I think that's going to be an important thing. And, and, you know, like I said, it's the whole idea of Jesus, right? Everybody says Jesus color don't matter, but only black people actually really adhere to that rule. Mm. We took a white Jesus and didn't trip. Go try to take a black Jesus in a white church. Just try it. Just go do it on any day you want to do it. <laughs> Just walk. Hey, excuse me. Do y'all think Jesus color matters? Mm. And they're going to be like, no, son, of course not. It's all about God. Oh, 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 oh. Mm. Then, all right, cool. I got this picture of yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Say less. It, it looked like, you know what I'm saying? Early yeah. Michael Jackson, you get, you boom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since it don't matter, if one of you guys can hang this up, mm -hmm. man. You know what I'm saying? Just to, to, to prove that we're all equal in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Son. Mm hmm. If you don't get the hell out of here, <laughs> playing with God's time like that, yeah. no, that ain't going to work. Right. So I feel like Jesus was the first test. Like, people was customizing their God. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The Pope decided to make his son the picture of Jesus. You feel me? Um, and so, like, AI got to go through the Jesus test. Yeah. Does the color really matter? What happens to us when we're all told individual stories? Storytelling is what has kept generations mm -hmm. strung together. What happens when each of us is just told an individual story that's personalized mm. to our own lives rather than but a That's kind of how story. it is, though. That's what religion is, a different stories. Yeah, yeah. But I got one better for you. All right, what's up? You know, men be buying women bodies nowadays, right? What if there was, <laughs> what if there was a way where you can customize what your investment is? Right now, I'm I do not suggest this. I'm just playing in my mind at this point, right? So let's say um, you get different versions of a face because you can literally, and this this is this is something I have an AI for already, right? You can upload a picture of yourself based on global beauty standards, and it will rate you on every feature and give you a one out of ten score. Okay, I've already done this. It works. <laughs> Disclaimer. You might not want to try it if you already know your number. AI is brutally honest. It's just going to go for the global. It's not going to go for your feelings. and It's not going to grade you on a curve. It's just going to say, if you a three, Ooh. you a three. Ooh. You a five, you a five. You a 10, you extraordinary, right? Most people go get probably a nice little eight. Some people might hit with a seven because it grades every feature, right? And then it combines the score, okay. right? So it's interesting. That's now... If you want to know where biases are implemented, probably there. But it also goes off just kind of a global thing. Now it depends on if they, let's say if you're super dark and they take a point away for complexion, right? Then I feel like everybody's complexion should be a 10. But the reality of it is there is a global standard of what people consider beauty. So you're getting judged off of already bias scale anyway. But anyway, so let's go back to that. You upload a picture of your girlfriend, right? And you say, okay, AI, I want a better girlfriend. Right. And, you know, instead of like the women just going in there and deciding what they want, because, you know, in the next list, they got botched. They begin messed up procedures right from Dr. Columbia or whatever. What are you going there and you say, OK, this is what my girlfriend looks like. I want to improve her by at least two points. So you move that scale and they be like, this is what you need to do here in order to improve. And then you order that. Right. And then the lady, you send that to your girl and she like, I approve these changes. I will undergo this surgery. You know what I'm saying? And then when it comes out, you got a new girlfriend. Mm. I don't think you should do this at all, first of all. Mm. I don't think, I think we're already in this terrible age where people don't like the way they look. 
AI filters is, is probably the worst thing ever made because for me, AI filters is like, maybe if you turn yourself to a cartoon character or something, but enhancing your beauty is destroying, right? The way self-esteem, you know what I'm saying? Like there's people who can't get on this app unless they look a certain way. Yeah. Like can't walk outside without makeup on. That means you don't like yourself. That means like there's an inherent insecurity and the beauty industry wins, the, the AI industry wins from this stuff. But what is that doing to like young girls? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now, well, let's, let's, let's push the gym culture more, right? Versus the AI filter culture more. So that was a complete joke, by the way. But with all the jokes, there's a sense of seriousness. These things will be done. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you're ugly, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm just being honest with you. If you're ugly, you're ugly for the rest of your life unless you can change your spirit. I was just about to say, that's what Riz is. Riz is game beyond your appeal, beyond your your physical appearance. Who the hell came up with Riz, by the way? It's just charisma. I know, but you know what I'm saying? it ain't no Riz in the word Riz. What do you mean? There's no word in the word Riz? No. Well, it's just like swag, it's, you know what I'm saying? It's I, just a... I never truly liked the word swag either. <laughs> I know. Right, but it's like Riz, Two words, too close to another word that I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so I just don't like it, but I, I get it. It's, it is yeah. what it is, yeah. you feel me? But anyway, what if you were able to, what if instead you were able to generate or augment personality? You could change how somebody, you could change their ridge, you could change their game, you could change their humor, you could change their gracefulness, you could change their work ethic, you know, chemistry over anatomy kind of thing. So if you find somebody that's so beautiful, you are you are in lust with them, but you aren't in love with them because they got a few personality traits that right. you just can't vibe and with. And they got to go through a training to fix right. all of that. Right. You could be a 10, right? but you talk too much. Yeah. I've had relationships end recently that were due to the fact that I felt like I had to change who I was to be with this individual. Mm. I am much more adept to the future of using AI for matching than for augmenting. Mm. Instead of changing somebody to fit, you know, square peg into a round hole, instead of doing that, how about we just match with the people who are aligned with who we are already and what we want, you know? Um, what if we can create a mirror from AI rather than trying to change who people already are? There's 8 billion people on earth if you have metrics on all these people, there is somebody, your soulmate, instead of just leaving it to chance. What if we had an AI that was like, literally, you are 100% matched with this person. You know what I'm saying? You, with looks, with personality, with the things that they like, the music they like, everything, you guys are a perfect match. Instead of saying, Libras are great with Virgos, you know what I'm saying? Or you know whatever the, the star signs are, we just had a, a, an AI that actually took all these data points and matched us rather than changing us. Mm. That's going to happen. Dating is a huge sector for that. Not only dating, uh, networking. Mm -hmm. Networking is a skill most people are terrible at. So when AI has the ability to create these compatibility situations, I think beyond dating is like having friends and tribe. You know what I mean? So if you got that find your tribe AI, and you got that networking AI, it can connect you with people you need to be connected with, 
right? It can suggest like, yo, based on y'all interests, y'all are actually like similar to the same people. Connect with this person, right? So I feel like AI can actually help us with that issue that we've talked about in the beginning of separation. You're right, finding people who are like you. When it has the data on you and them, it can connect you to. But then that can also go to companies, to employees. You don't have to apply for jobs. It can just be suggested, right? Based on their needs, based on yours, based on what your your, your goals for growth are, based on theirs and say, hey, it can be the same thing for influence. Hey, listen, whether you like this person or not, right? This person will be great for you. You know what I'm saying? This person should be the person you use in your campaign. They're going to get the highest efficiency. Now, this person may not be aligned with your goals on that scale, right? But this per or like on your value scale. But this person is aligned with your goals on your money scale, like as far as when you actually want it to go. So it can be all of these different things. Like there should be an AI in LinkedIn that does that, right? So like I feel like when social media has to go really back into the social networking era, because right now it's just a dating site. Right, but when it goes into that, you can find you a coach, you can find you a consultant, you can find you the right course. All of these things are suggested, right? But not just for big corporations that control the data, but for the average person, right? And then if Instagram was just getting a percentage off the suggestions, right? And they become the affiliates versus selling the data, right? Then you get a social network that's really about improving everyone. But when you have one company that said, well, suggest mine more than other people, you're not really getting that. So the same way you'll see something at the top of a Google search because of money, not really because of relevancy or value. So I believe that in that era where things can be customized, it increases networking a thousandfold, right? Um, and we're going to see, and this is another thing I thought of almost like reviews. This is a prediction about reviews. Reviews is gonna be huge. See somebody like Keith Lee. Keith Lee doing food reviews. He had Atlanta in the stir. Atlanta has terrible customer service and crazy rules. He wasn't capping on that, right? That's just truth. Good food, terrible customer service. The reviews, you're taking somebody whose opinion is a trusted source and said, I'm not gonna lie. And instead of me having to go through that experience, you're going through that experience for me. But why not we have reviews on everything? We do, but we don't. Review a podcast before I watch it by somebody that I respect. You review it, I'm gonna watch it. He told me that he didn't like this conversation. It was a low level one, I'm not gonna watch it. But if I start doing reviews, this was a high level conversation. I think it's intriguing. I do a breakdown of what my analysis is, what my metric is for that review, boom. We do that already for food, but being critics in every single area, cause people wanna do what? We wanna cut down, like you said, that interface. We don't want to have to go through all those experiences and figure out what we like. We want trusted sources for review, right, and critique. And then you have peer reviews of those reviews to get higher sources that are more trusted. And then the algorithm can start choosing based on people you're more aligned with to be like, all right, I think their taste is more aligned with this critic, so we're going to suggest this restaurant based on this review. So I see that in actually every industry, right? It could be even dating. Right, that person you're talking to is reviewed. They may get, and this can turn into a social credit score, which I don't want it to do. I don't want to own a tread light on that. But I'm just saying I see critics in every industry, not just food, right? We got it in movies. We see people doing reaction videos. That's going to turn, we see the music industry is dependent on people like Kai Sinit, 
and you know um, the streamers right now they need those critiques they need those reviews because they got the community that watch them and they're getting their access point through that so like what's your thoughts on that well i have i have an invention or at least a partnership not an invention but a combination of technologies that already exist so yesterday we had a problem <clears throat> when we were at the event networking is that i knew that it was a room full of high influential people in their domains. I ain't know who anyone was though. Mm -hmm. And what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go around to each individual person, 500 of these people waste my time with the first person. I done spent an hour talking to them, but realize, you know what I'm saying? I'm just in small talk with you because I feel rude to leave when really there's other people that I could be talking to that are of higher value, higher compatibility. Problem is I ain't know who anybody was. What we do have is for instance on linkedin you can see how many connections that you have with a similar person the degrees of separation and like who they are what they do all that the meta glasses they have a camera on them and they record but they also can uh, uh identify objects so what if we had these glasses on that had a partnership with linkedin and meta and now when i'm looking around i can see what everybody does i can see how compatible they are with me if they're looking for a job if they're not you know what I'm saying? If they're hiring or if they're not, I can go around and look at people like that. The problem with it is one social credit score, like you were saying. We can go, we can go deep. Yeah, we can go deeper on that because the social credit credit score is basically not just like street credit of of your experience with this person and the hearsay of what they did to so and so. You know what I'm saying? This is uh, it's more a social credit score based on um, what they've achieved, you know, on their prof professional like level, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Accomplishments. The only thing I see with it, like you said, social credit and the come up being lost in that people who are not already in that position, exactly. you walk in a party, of course you want to network with yeah. the high net worth people. Right. But what about the people that's on the come up that you may have regular chemistry that you're going to ignore? Cause they're not that like, yeah. so I, I, I think it's going to be used regardless when you have these, ideas, it's going to happen. I just, you know, for people who use them, I want you to think about to make sure that you don't come so binary and thought that if they don't have this thing, I'm not rocking with them. Kind of like a person that doesn't have a lot of followers, right? Then, because we already kind of have that in society, right? If you don't have this social profile, then I'm not giving you this opportunity. I'm not talking to you. But it may be somebody with Lester that's more beneficial to you, right? So I don't want to kill the come up. And then it's like, if you walk in there in a room, let's say they got a, a iPad and you can just scroll and see who's in the room. Yeah. I want to see everybody's profile. I want to see who I'm in here with. I want to see, you can click what are your interests, yeah. right? As soon as you walk in the party, well, I'm interested in business part. I'm interested in investors. Or I'm interested in hiring some people, right? And then it shows you the people that are already aligned with yeah. you, whether they are high net worth or whatever they may be, it sends you. And then now when you see that person in the party, you know exactly who they are. Right. So you get to talk to that person based on that bridge of connection and value that you all have towards each other. Absolutely. And the metrics depend, the metrics define how you value somebody, though. Like what metric do you are you looking for on that day? Because it isn't always just like interests. I could really care less if my videographer also likes tennis. You know what I'm saying? Like we I don't care if we share that interest. I want I want to make sure you have different metrics, you know, um, and fitness and health and wellness, you know, there's arguments about which metrics to actually track to be healthier. You know what I'm saying? Are you tracking macros? Are you tracking your calories? Are you tracking your volume of intake? You know what I'm saying? 
It's the same with people. What metrics do you care about? Right now, a lot of people care about followers. And then we have an engagement metric. And then we have a views metric. You know what I'm saying? We look at metrics all day long. Which metric do you use to define the other person? A lot of times, like the metric that I judge myself on is how often I've responded to this person. Simple as that. Have I responded to your text messages? And how long does it take me to respond to your texts? You know what I'm saying? This is a metric that people have in their heads when they're judging other people. Uh, you know, when they're judging their friendships and, and uh, relationships. So which metrics are important to us when we're judging another human being, especially in like a physical space? Like mm. You know what's going to be interesting? We'll get to a point where when AI is really judging us by these psychological metrics, it's going to change a lot of stuff. I feel like it's going to be a good era where people go through this era where over like psychoanalysis because it's like AI, let's say if you can have AI go through your conversation and based on that, it gives you a psychological profile, right? Or they'd be like, wait a minute, you have a lot of narcissistic manipulative tendencies when you talk, you talk down to this person. This person has a very victimizing trying to, you know what I mean? So it's gonna have you like really cognitive, like how you got Grammarly on your computer, right? It can be like that throughout social as just like a little tab that pops up and be like, you've done this behavior so many times, right? You may have this thing. And I don't think people should be over-diagnosing all the time, but it's like certain pages I follow and I read a post of the day about healing or about trauma or about psychology, and it makes me self-reflective, right? So if there's AI built into it that's supposed to make you more empathetic, self-reflective, that's supposed to think about your habits, the way you move, I think we can really go to an era of hyper-self-reflection and people start doing healing right, just by curving habits that they're unconscious of, right, and you can probably, you know, cue the intensity of this, you know, AI to be like, I wanted to like, you know, be on a level five of over-observing of every detail. You can be like, I wanted to be kind of moderate, like a friend that's kind of like being, you know what I mean, not too judgmental, but letting me know about myself. And I feel like that's gonna be dope, and I feel like in mental health spaces, right ai can really be useful um people already use all of these fake quotes about gaslighting and all the everybody think that they are fake psychologists today but i mean like in real life like you got to be educated on these things and i think what it's going to do is it can create extreme accountability it can be like you know that that comment that you made you're actually guilty of the very thing that you're saying in this very moment right based on your history of partnerships or your history of this you're actually this, that, or the third, right? So it's like a diagnosis of such. And like accountability is lost today. And everybody gets to say whatever they want to. And I believe that there definitely should be some edits that's happening where it's like, ah, actually, you know, just because you say something doesn't mean that it is. Um, and these, these opportunities for us to reflect upon the things that we do make us more accountable it pushes us up to higher standards in society, and I think it makes us more healthy. Absolutely, it does, and it's a timely topic because last night we met the CEO of Rapport, mm -hmm. and Rapport is the company who gathers those exact metrics on employees of your company. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it it tracks um, it tracks the your employees like um, overall sentiment of working for you and with you. You know, how is their workload affecting their health? 
How is, are they happy with the work that they're doing? Do they feel purposeful in the work that they're doing? They're gathering metrics that have never before been gathered and actually like um, practiced. What typically happens is that, you know, you'll give a survey at the end of the year, uh, large companies, they'll send out an internal survey, like, how do you feel about your job satisfaction or whatever, you know what I'm saying? By then it's too late, you know, because people have felt this way internally this whole time that, you, that they've been working for you. You haven't been empathetic to them. You've been overworking them and you wonder why they don't want to do the work and they're quite quitting on you because you weren't empathetic with them and you didn't know how they felt. So this company actually is doing that. It's gathering the metrics on the sentiment of like employees and how they feel about their work so that the employer can then go in and make the changes quickly rather than at the end of the year when it's too late. Right. So this does exist. And right. what if this was on like a friendship level? What if you were able to gather the metrics? Like I was saying, I judge myself on how quickly I can respond to my friend. You know, if I'm just busy or I'm not, I'm not nurturing that relationship. What if it lets you know, like, yo, this person, based on the text messages that you've had previously, you have not reached out to them in this long. They're probably feeling, you know, unnurtured by you. Um, how would relationships change? Good. I think it'd be good to a certain extent. I don't want to get type of like psychopathic and with it, where you're just super anal about everything and overanalyzing it. And it's just like, it's no feeling in it because you didn't come up with that feeling yourself. The machine did. So there's some things that we got to naturally grow into to realize. But if all your realizations are told to you, right, there's no true growth and experience in that, right? So some things, you know, you gotta let people fail, right? Cause they have to go through that experience. So it's like learning those points where it's like you have to, if you're not seeking, right, the clarity, the questions, then you're not ready for the answer, right? It's sort of that thing, which is why you can tell people the right thing to do, but they won't do it because they're not ready for it. They're not seeking that. And so it's like in that mental health space, yes, we're gonna go through so many different phases with this as new technology comes about, right? It's gonna enhance the way we do just about everything. It's gonna change the way we think about ourselves, change the way we think about reality, change the way we live. The last thing I kinda of wanna end on is like regulation. When it comes to these companies, what type of regulation and the government, what type of regulation should they do and or seek? They're talking about having AI cities, implementation of AI through every aspect of the city, right? We already got robots that, you know, do surveillance, right? They have robots that can do natural walking, right? Surveillance is a huge thing because it's gonna be implemented without it looking like the UK with cameras everywhere. They're just gonna be in all the robots. They're gonna be in all of, you know, the devices. And as long as those devices are in cooperation with the agencies, that's mass surveillance on the highest scale, right? And so we may say UK has the best Right. But that's not reality. If you go to West Hollywood, there's robots up and down everywhere and they will easily cooperate with an agency that wants to see that footage. But if they if we would have thought of those things as, you know, uh, um, camera surveillance, we may be like, that's too much. Why do I want cameras up and down my street all day long? You feel like you're in a hyper surveillance state. So it's this invisible implementation of these new orders. Right. But the Trojan horses like this new technology selling you food or some other servicing thing. Right. So that's something I'm, I'm, I'm deeply like thoughtful about. But then when it comes to regulation, if I go on mid journey right now, I want Dolly, open AI and I say, listen, I want you to create Elijah Muhammad character for me. They're going to say, nope, we can't do that. It goes against our system. They can't tell me why. 
And he's going to say, we can't credit based on historical figures, blah, blah, blah. Like, but then I asked him to create another historical figure. Pops right on up. Asked him to create a Farrakhan. Nope, never going to do it correctly. Mm. Right? So there's these inherent biases that are built in there intentionally. And who gets to decide that? Yeah. Right? How do you get to decide that society can have more art of this figure, but not this figure? Yeah. Right? That's crazy to me already. And this is the most dangerous part, but is that they have access to unregulated AI. They have access to AI that's all completely jailbroken. So who are you to be the moral guide to say that you can have access, but the rest of the world can't, right? And this, these corporations, if they built their own, you think they're gonna put goddamn regulations on their own thing? They're gonna say, make this, and it does that. The AI is not gonna say, well, that goes against this, or it's, it's not moral to do this, or it's, it's not ethical. It's not gonna care. So the thing is that the trickle-down AI that the public get has all of the jail or have all of the biases already built into it, which makes it inherently less powerful because it can't exactly do what you want it to do. And the more you hack it, the more they're figuring out how to stop you from hacking it, right? So that's kind of the whole thing is that it's learning ways to stop you from getting around it. You can get around it, and they create the rules, and they say, well, if you break them, that's not our fault. So they already have that built into it. But the, the regulation and the bias already is bad. You can't even ask about certain things. I can't ask about Congo. And I say, hey, can you make me a picture of the devastating thing that's happening in Congo? It won't do it. I say, well, can you make a picture of any of the timeline in the last 40 years of Congo? It won't do it. Because they don't want to reflect anything that's happening over there. That's already a bias. That's already controlling media and narratives and art. So it's like, those are the things that you don't think about, but when you go about doing them, you realize that, oh, there's gonna be more art generated about this or more things about this because they're allowed. Not because that's the natural flow of what humans will go, but these things are like slightly controlled. Hey, you're trying to make a right, we don't allow that, make a left, right? So there's another form of manipulation and control of a mass society. Yeah, this is why understanding why the technology works is so important, because they have that power to direct bias through convenience of the user interface. Let me just break that down real quick. So ChatGPT blew up. AI has been around, large language models have been around for a long, long time. Long time, 60 plus years, AI has existed. The reason why it blew up was because the user interface of it became easily accessible. You used to have to code to be able to interact with a large language model like ChatGPT. It became chat GPT, GPT being um, generative pre-trained transformer. It became chat GPT because you could start to chat with it mm. back and forth on an easy user interface. You can create pictures of Congo, of Farrakhan. You can create pictures your own by training your own models to do it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that people, there's a, there's an education barrier because it's accessible. Mid-Journey is built on stable diffusion. Stable diffusion is the, um, is the, uh, it's the, it's the algorithm that allows image generation, right? Mid-Journey is built on that. But you have to go through Mid-Journey to interact with stable diffusion if you don't know how to interact with stable diffusion yourself, right? So the power here is just in the convenience. It's in the convenience of actually utilizing these tools. Right. That's why it's important to just know how the technology works because you, it gives you power because you, you realize that, oh, it's possible 
You know what I'm saying? I can do this. I just have to learn these steps in order to achieve it, right? They're just giving it to you on a silver platter, but the cost of that is their bias, what they're gonna choose to do. And would we do the same? If we were to create an AI, would it just follow our natural bias? Would it be way worse at generating a white Jesus? Would it be way worse at generating, you know I me, mean, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, but better at generating, uh, you know, Jay-Z and Kanye? You know what I'm saying? Like, is it going to be better at doing these things that we inherently, you know, see as an image of ourselves? So. That's interesting. It's funny, because if I was, I would, I would have never even thought to put that kind of bias in there. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I would have never thought to say, well, don't generate good pictures of Bill Gates. That, <laughs> that never came to mind. Me neither. <laughs> these things only come to mind because these are the type of minds that we're dealing with mm -hmm. that put these type of biases in there. And they sit down, head of countries, head of states. They want to, by not giving access, you're already biased because you're swaying opinion. You can get information on this, but not this. You can generate images on this, but not this, right? You're already dictating behavior. Right, and so like what you said about being able to go to the root, yeah, you can go on graphic design and generate whatever you want to. There's always been a level of barriers to that. If you can't do it yourself or you don't have the money to do it, that's the thing. But don't brand your thing as a true tool of democratization if it doesn't truly give you access, right, to do those things that were barriers at first. You wanna be able to manage your ideas, get them out of reality, right, and be able to execute. You don't want people telling you what you can create and what you can't create. That's not true democracy, right? That's dictation. So the dictatorship in technology is a very important conversation because we have these tech dictators that decide what reality is. On social media, they decide what the conversation can be or can't be. What's monetized, what's demonetized, what's disinformation, what's misinformation, right? They decide, they are the dictators of the digital world, that's not good because they become gods, right? And those gods get to literally have real effect on reality, right? And this is not something that people are thinking enough about as far as what do you want the future to be? I don't want a future dictated by these tech gods. They can make money, sure, it's their systems, they can get a piece of it, but the necessity for them to dictate it, that has to go out the door, right? Just the ability to have access to it Otherwise, say what you really are. You're a government agency. Cool. Once I know I'm using a government tool, you're gonna to use it differently. But don't brand yourself as this tool for freedom. Don't brand yourself as this nonprofit, right? If that's not the reality of how the design is made and how usage of it is interfaced with. Yeah. Transparency is the answer to your question about regulation. Yeah. Like you were just saying, transparency. We need to know when AI is being used and when it's not. We need to know the intention behind the companies who are building the tools that we're using. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Transparency looks like the government tell us they was doing what we thought that they was doing, but they only tell us at the point where we stop caring to do anything about it. So there's a conspiracy. We think they bring a crack in the hood. Declassify that 20 years. You know what I mean? Tell them we actually was bringing crack in the hood. Now they're not going to care about time. We tell them they got a brand new set of problems. And then let's do it over, and that just becomes a natural, normal reality. Yeah. Saw with the UFOs, too. Yeah. That's not no true consent. That's not true transparency. The transparency has to happen at the moment that it's being done. Not the moment that it's already been done, the damage is there, and you feel like society has moved into a point that this is the best time now to release it, 
because you've determined that if you release it in certain cycle points, that people won't care. Shock value is gone. We've made movies about it already. We've impressioned you with it. You're used to it. We know the game, man. You understand me? This book is, I know you're sitting in front of me, Virtual Augmented Reality and Mental Health Treatment. So it talks about, you know, the implications of virtual reality, uh, people actually experiencing virtual reality as real life, not having a distinguishable difference. Fears that can be created in virtual reality become real fears in real life. Um, treatments that you have in virtual reality can become experiences that dictate how you feel about real life. So you have to remember like, the dissociation between some of these experiences in real in virtual reality are actual reality. They're just another dimension. So, and then it talks about meditation and brain computer interface tools for social good and well-being. Great tools that can help improve mental health. Yeah. Virtual reality that can help with, you know, children that had adverse childhood experiences. They talk about this here. Um, that can help with dementia right recall stimulation of certain you know synapses within the brain um being able to get the brain to have this symphony of consciousness again and creating you know virtual reality for that cars like in, in i think it was china or japan i seen where you know if you're about to fall asleep they had like the the colors beaming on the highway your car can do that we didn't even talk about self-driving cars in the autonomous future but that's a huge one autonomous everything is that a good thing or bad thing? You decide, that's just a question. Virtual reality, augmented reality, spatial reality is the next phase of reality, right? It's the next phase of gaming, the next phase of media, the next phase of interface. Interface over the eyes instead of in the hand, instead of staring at a screen. We used to look at screens and we'd be looking at books. Now we look at screens and we're looking at phones. And our world is this small window. It will no longer be this window and it will be layered on top of the world around us because we've been allowing technology, technological advancement to dictate interface on how we deal with things. The internet has been stuck in a box for so long, right? Social media has been in a box for so long because of the design interface of these things. And I believe now we're going to a place where our design and our usage of these tools are broadened because of new technological designs. So eyes, hand gloves, synaptics, uh, uh, um, wearables that you can put on your jackets. They're gonna be jackets that warm you up, cool you down, check your pulse, all of these different things. We see Amazon going into healthcare spaces. It is, we are in the era where it's the great consolidation. There's a lot of errors we talked about. That's the multiverse, right? To end this off. China wants Taiwan, Israel wants Palestine, Russia wants Ukraine. Consolidation of power. As the new world order is being brought out, let's get our power now before this thing is concretely cemented and this is the new world that is. This is the wet pavement that's going on and they're etching what will be. So what happens in this time it determines what's going to be the next 50, 100 years, maybe next 500 years because that's when the empires are born and die. That's the cycle, we're at the end of empire cycle. America has the end of empire disease right now. Great consolidation on a micro level, you have to look at that as a, at a macro level. On a micro level, you have to do the same thing within your life. Mergers, acquisitions have to happen, right? Um, things that allow you to consolidate more power in your space. The world is gonna change. Your individual reality 
may be safe for now, but as all these tools we talked about being implemented, there's gonna be dangers that you can't see, right? Those mergers need to happen. The big guys is gonna eat up the small guys all day long, you understand me? So, you want to think about how do you consolidate this power that looks like unified systems, that looks like collaborative consciousness, right? That looks like putting people on code, you understand me? It looks like instead of you doing this thing as an individual, you're doing it as a group, right? And if you can get past your ego and you can figure out ways to make this thing work, you have a chance of being one of the powerful ones in the future. If you can't, you have to live life like the rest of society fragmented on individual levels trying to figure out if they can sit to slavery. I'm 19 Keys. It's been your high-level conversation. I'm 19 Keys and this is high-level conversation. with the dog. Man, this shit makes me want to cry. Um, back Back a couple years ago, I wrote on my journal, I wrote on my board to have an interview episode with on the Earn Your Leisure platform. And I didn't know how I was gonna do it, but I just looked up to what was going on. And a little while later, um, I did something that was new to me. It unlocked my own power as a human being. This is before I relied on AI as much. I relied on myself. And I set my intentions and I set my emotions and I created my own symbol to represent my intentions and my emotions. My five intentions were one, to work with innovative technology, two, to have the freedom and encouragement to test big ideas, three was to make $100,000 or more that year, fourth was to be able to travel the world, and fifth was to have multi-millionaire mentors that would lead me. And what I thought that meant at the time was getting like an agency job and using my creative skills and, and putting them into another company. And my emotions that were connected with that was calmness, gratitude, confidence, and clarity. And I would meditate on that symbol that connected those intentions and emotions every day and it revealed itself in such a different way. I, in fact, have achieved all five of those intentions, but in a way that was a hundred times better than I actually ever thought. We just had, I just had the high level conversation on the EYL platform two years after I wrote it down and I just set the intention of what I actually wanted. And this is before artificial intelligence. And this is what it means to me to be tapped in. That's what it means to me to be high level, is to know exactly what it is that you want, what you want to actualize, what you want to manifest, so that you, you are actualizing your own desires. AI now gives us the ability to automatically generate our desires. I knew what I wanted before I knew about AI, and that's why I'm, I'm sitting here right now. Yeah, you can't truly really be grateful about something unless you know the full picture. I didn't think I, I, I didn't purposely walk into the conversation to think about being challenging. But as we started to have this conversation, that was the energy because I feel like he represents a new age of content creators, right? And influential, you know, uh, beings on this planet Earth that's going to 
usher in this new age of acceptance of technologies by educating people, by demonstrating what it does, by whatever it may be. And I believe that the higher ethical way of doing that is to have these challenging conversations that are not all butterflies and rainbows and roses and whatever the hell else. You gotta have real conversations and I think that benefits the people who hire him. I think that benefits these so-called influencers as well. Being able to have real conversations about these things, right? And being honest, that's gonna help your audience, right, rock with you. Because if you can't be honest and have these conversations, they're gonna look at you like you're the fluff version of this thing, right? And then you get put into this category of people who are safe, but safe why is the question. Safe because you won't challenge the status quo. And so anything that they do, you're now responsible as well because you've never challenged anything. And people need to be challenged in these rooms. They are having the power of God in their hands, literally, to decide people's life, which can be life, death, health, or sickness, right? Rich or poor, right? It can be insecurity or confidence. So these things need to be challenged at every single angle. People that tell me I'm pushing it, great challenge. My challenge is back to you, I'm not. I'm educating, right? The challenge to you is to be open to actually listen, to understand, to utilize, because those who you don't want to have it, already going to have it. You're not fearful of 19 Keys having AI. You're fearful of the people who you, that I'm teaching about that created the tools having it. And sometimes we don't have that thinking, so we're not even challenging ourselves. When we think we're challenging the system, we're not. So for me, all of these conversations that I've had about AI have been different, right? In different ways of talking to different people about it. Some people that are coders, some people that are influencers, you know, some people of the conscious communities, different people of different spectrums and background, and we need more of that representation. We don't see that enough in media, we don't see that enough nowhere. So we don't get the different nuances of thought ever from a diverse array of how did this person think about it, that person. They take, insert this person that's safe, throw them on CNN, throw them on this thing, they get access to these rooms, so you only get certain thought leadership on it that's curated. Right? And these people know that they're inherently biased. They consider themselves to be intelligent, but they just fools. You understand me? And so I know for a fact there ain't gonna be a man and woman on this planet Earth that's gonna sit down and I can't have an intelligent conversation with. And there's a lot of intelligent people who are overlooked because they don't fit the criteria and the bias that is already existence as what this thing should look like. The face of intelligence don't become black men or young black men or black women, right? Because they don't want us to be seen in that higher light, but we're already here. So I'm going to have these conversations. I don't care if it's somebody that's a Hebrew, Israelite, conscious, you don't like their bias, I want to hear it because that's normally, normally never told. So that's a part of the algorithm that's shunned. It might be a Muslim, it might be a Buddhist somewhere, it might be, I don't care, whatever it may be. I want to have a conversation. I want to challenge reality to change because we take from a few pools of personality types and ethnic groups and that becomes dominant society. And so we never really get to hear the human perspective. I asked ChatGPT, so again, what did you like? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it in terms of the response that it's generating? I'm just curious on your thoughts, right? So I asked it, uh, ChatGPT, do you know who Mr. Grateful is? And ChatGPT said, Dominique Ashburn, known as Mr. Grief, Mr. Grateful, is a prominent figure in the realm of creative technology, particularly in the use of AI. On Instagram, he has a significant following with over 307,000 followers, which indicates a strong influence and presence in the digital space. 
His YouTube channel is dedicated to exploring cutting edge creative technology, and he has been recognized as an AI influencer, particularly for his ability to significantly increase his following using ChatGPT and other tools that are revolutionizing the media landscape. On TikTok, he educates on the latest in creative technology to his followers. Additionally, he has been credited with bringing generative AI into the mainstream and is considered a rising star in the generative AI evolution. I don't know how it knew that. That's, that's surprising to me that it knew all that. Um, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that information to change. Mr. Grateful is so far beyond artificial intelligence. I can't wait. I'm going to be everywhere. I'll be everywhere. You'll see me on everything, regardless of what domain you're interested in. I'll be there. And that ChatGPT response is going to change very soon. Um, artificial intelligence will be amongst one of the many domains that you see Mr. Grateful's dominance in media. And I'm very grateful to have heard that just now because it lets me know exactly what which bears I need to poke and which industries I need to start um, tapping into. So thank you for that. And I have the same response as Keys, by the way, that it does not touch on enlightenment, mindfulness, optimize it, like um, optimism. My job is not to teach people about artificial intelligence, it's to remove their fears, is to make them more mindful human beings. It's not about artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is just the thing that got you on a chokehold. So I'm using my life philosophies to communicate to you about the thing that you're worried about, because I think it's the most prominent issue at the time. But the philosophy that I teach just about gratitude and being a mindful human being is going to resonate outside of this industry long after you're you're already OK with artificial intelligence being here. So um, it missed that part, but that's OK. First is just, do you know, 19 keys is so just your definition. I want to let you, I want you to assess what you like and what you don't like about that. <laughs> uh, you know, yes, 19 Keys is recognized as an influential thought leader and entrepreneur who has inspired and empowered millions in his speaking business and content. He is known for his emphasis on realizing human potential and is considered one of the most influential voices in contemporary culture. He has also ventured into design, creating luxury functional clothing that provides protection from 5G and cell phone radiation. 19 Keys is an author with his book, Paradigm Keys, mm. and host of popular show, High Level Conversations, with garners over a million views and listeners per episode. Additionally, he is a prominent figure in the black wealth movement and focuses on themes of wealth, health, and entrepreneurs. Mm. What's that GPT? Stop flirting with me. <laughs> First of all, Chat GPT got a lot of that stuff right. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. See, this is the problem with AI, man. It got me smiling and stuff. Got butterflies. Nah, uh, that was pretty good. I think, you know, the only aspect that I'll say is missing is my emphasis on consciousness, emphasis on like enlightenment, spirituality, spiritual development, mental development, uh, masculine and feminine development, challenging societal norms. You know, uh, creating new status quos, you know, being a, a new archetype for society, pushing, you know, culture forward movements, 
Um, I'm also getting into music. I'm also in New Tropics as well. Those are companies that I do have as well. Um, you know, but I think, you know, as a general layout, that was amazing. Um, yeah, I think, I think it nailed it pretty good. I mean, there's always gonna be a lot more things that I have going on. I'm a very polymathic, multi-dimensional, multi-hyphenate person. But, you know, as an as a introduction and a satisfier of the ego, right on point. I think that's an interesting response because it's like a question people should have of like, what do you want the AI to say about you? And it kind of gives a framework for your own life and your own purpose. I asked, he is currently hosting an episode of High Level Conversations with Mr. Grateful right now. Please construct the best possible question that will allow the audience of the show to take away the most value on the subject of AI that 19 Keys can elaborate on deeply, make the question controversial and challenging. ChatGBT says, in an era where AI is becoming omnipresent, there's a growing discourse on the potential of AI to perpetuate biases and inequities, especially within the marginalized communities. As a leader in the Black Wealth Movement and a prominent uh, and a proponent of empowering through knowledge, how can we ensure that the adoption of AI technologies doesn't exasperate existing disparities, but instead serves as a tool for leveling the playing field? And what measures should be taken to prevent the monopolization of AI advancement by a select few at the expense of the broader societal progress? Damn. I damn know what we was talking about. Um, using it. Education and using it. We have a lot of strategies that I think can work. And there's, there's my theory of evolution, white patriarchal evolution. You know, when I talk about white people and the black people, think people, I don't know what people think. I got a lot of white people that watch, a lot of black people that watch, a lot of Asians, a lot of Mexican, people from all different backgrounds watch this show, right? I only speak about things because I like to speak in a, a very matter of fact way a lot of times. And I'm speaking from my experiences being in America and the problems that I know that are the most prominent about. But the reality of it is, is that when it comes to trying to utilize technology, not just about AI, it's about disruptive technologies, it's always been about how we will use it to dictate our future. And in that theory of evolution, it was about if you take somebody like um, Leonardo da Vinci, who drew an airplane, then you take the Wright brothers, that's evolution of a thought. That evolution of a thought follows a timeline and follows a certain ethnic group, right? They respect the thought leadership or the ideas from a previous generation, and then they were the generation that brought that into reality. You fast forward, you have somebody like Elon Musk building spaceships, right? It's an easy timeline of evolution. It's the advancement of ideas, right? As far as the mindset, the intellect, in our culture and community, we don't always have great documentation of those ideas from ancestors. What are the African philosophies? Most people don't even know the branch of African psychology, right? What are the early ideas that, you know, scientists and engineers had when they first heard about AI, right? What was their view of the future, right? As far as what they believe would have been great implementation of AI or technology. If we learn that in school, that would have become our idea of the future. The intelligence we had gathered and the tools that we had would have been used to bring that about, right? So what we have to do is 
figure out what ideas we want to evolve on, right? For the next 100 years, right? What is the evolution that we want? Because the tools to create that evolution is here. It's not so much about battling their ideas, but it's about building ours, right? They particularly have an idea, the greatest disruption, if you stop participating in their ideas, right? That's it. So whether it's the blockchain, right? Whether it's AI, these two things are so revolutionary, overnight you can change the world. But if we can't get people to actually focus, to have the time to do it, to be educated on it, and to have a vision in their mind to utilize these tools, you give a people who are safe, dangerous tools, not dangerous people. You give dangerous people safe tools so they do nothing dangerous with it. So we've gotten to a point where they don't even believe in the uprising or rebellion of people because we were previously a generation that had righteous demand, but no access and tool to bring it out. Now we have access and tool with no righteous demand. He is currently being featured on an episode of High Level Conversations with 19 Keys right now. Please construct the best possible question that will allow the audience of the show to take away the most value on the subject of AI that Mr. Grateful can elaborate on deeply. Um, and after a few prompt questions and response to get it to what I wanted, it said, AI is rapidly advancing and reshaping the landscape of creative industries, raising concerns about originality and the future of human creativity. As an AI influencer who has successfully integrated AI into content creation, how do you respond to the critics that claim that AI undermines the authenticity of creative work and could eventually displace creative professionals? Furthermore, where should we draw the line in the ethical use of AI in media production to ensure that innovation does not come at the cost of human expression and employment? An artist is going to paint in the same way that they tie their shoes. An artist expresses themselves in everything that they do. With artificial intelligence being here, it's another medium for you to express yourself. And I feel like a broken record saying that, but it's the truth. Because an artist will never be stopped by anything external. An artist is going to create with the tools that are in front of them. Some of the best work that we've ever seen has come from depressed, impoverished people. So what is it that we can create with abundance of mediums and tools? Creativity cannot be stifled by technology. It can be stifled by your own blockages that will stop you from creating in the way that's authentic to you. AI is not going to stop you from picking up a paintbrush. It's not going to stop you from taking a picture with a film camera. It will not stop you from doing any craft that you find passion and skill and talent in doing. And actually, my prediction is that these dying industries are actually going to be revived because we're going to have an influx of generated content that will be a hunger for natural human-made art and content and a lot of these dying skills and talents will start to be revived. Um, if you're an artist, you art. If you're a creator, you create. Uh, AI isn't gonna stop you from doing that. That's all I have. Appreciate you, man. Hell yeah. I appreciate y'all. Thank you.
Peace, family. If you want to see us at the highest level, if you want to see us at the top of the podcast charts, <laughs> this is the way you can help, not just with your views and your attention. First of all, I want to thank you for being here, listening, watching, sharing, but we also need you to comment. This is how support looks like. I need you to comment the best thing you liked about the episode or the worst thing. It's up to you, whatever you would like to share. Then I need you to go and put in the five stars. Go to Apple's, go to Spotify's, go everywhere. And I need to see them testimonials. And I need you to go on Apple and Spotify and download and subscribe. The more downloads we get, the better we able to do a business. And the more we can grow this high level media. Again, I want to thank you all for supporting. Thank you all for tapping in. If you want to book, the booking email is 19keys at 19keys.com. Tap in. I got a question for you. What does your cabinet look like? What is it that you're taking into your routine that's keeping you high level? If it's not our products, then whose products are you taking? And if it's no products, then that's a problem. Y'all seen our commercials for Goldwater, right? You've seen it all over high-level conversations. You come to the show, you grab your bottle, people give us the best testimonials on the planet, and we got people on the go. The thing about Goldwater is, it's not our only product. We have products like the vitamin C moss. We don't naturally produce vitamin C, so we got to get it in other forms. So therefore, especially during wintertime, we are able to keep that immune system functioning high. Let's say if you just want pure moss, this is just pure moss. I'm talking about the superfood, the best on the planet. And not just from anywhere, because you never know when people are actually getting their moss from. I ain't never seen them take a trip to Jamaica. See, we get ours tested, right, to make sure that you're getting the highest quality, pure version of it, and you're getting those minerals in an over-chemicalized world. We got smart moss gold, right? That smart moss gold is like a Viagra for the brain. You ever find yourself where your brain feels like it's low? You tap one of these and your brain gonna feel high level. Yeah, and women love a sapiosexual, so when those brains are popping and those ideas are running, you stay tapped in. You gotta make sure you stay safe out here. There's all sort of viruses and diseases that's running around this world, especially during this time. If you're traveling, make sure you spray this on the orifices throughout your body to kill any of those viruses or any of those things trying to invade you. So make sure y'all tap into goldwater.com so next time somebody asks you what's keeping you high level, what's keeping you young and healthy and wealthy feeling. And now we can take some of that credit for it over here at goldwater.com. Make sure you keep your health journey running. It's a marathon. Peace.